All right, ladies and gentlemen. So we are sitting down today with the great, the powerful, the uh, the mystic Julius Maddox. So we're sitting down here with you, man. And uh, some people know who you are. Some people are gonna be like, "Holy shit, Julius Maddox is on H two O cast." It's gonna be great. And some people are gonna go, "All right, who, who the fuck is that?" So to answer those questions, who are you, man? Where'd uh, where'd you get started? I am uh, actually. The world's strongest man when it comes to bench pressing. Um, so to kind of take take you back, I started powerlifting in 2012, uh, towards the end of 2012, almost going into 13, um, simply because uh, some very uh, strange circumstances. Uh, actually, I was in rehab for uh, drugs and alcohol. I had, um, at one point, I was headed to prison and, you know, I had the opportunity to go to prison or I could go to long-term treatment. And that's what I decided to do. And uh, that's where, like, everything started at as far as, like, me starting to lift weights was in rehab in the basement of a hundred-year-old house. Yeah, it's it's like a dungeon. looks just like a dungeon. I mean that's that's where a lot of strength gains happen. I mean uh, you know you saw that episode on um, what was it uh, strongest man in history where they went to um, uh, what is it, Anderson's house down in uh, Georgia. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, to get down in there, um, if you watch Shaw and Eddie and those guys like try to go into this basement <laughs> where five foot nine Paul Anderson would go in and lift, uh, they can't stand up. Really, he had to dig a hole in order for him to squat. Wow! Like, go back and watch that episode of them I going will. through his house. That is, that is some legit shit, and uh, and a lot of people just they start out in a dungeon. Yeah. So it's it's kind of it's kind of cool that your origin story kind of kind of brings you there. So in that man, that means you haven't been in powerlifting very long. No, no you know, no, you're no. not one of these twenty year guys. So let's go back before that. Where did uh, where'd you grow up? So uh, I was raised um, in Owensboro, Kentucky. We are about an hour and 40 minutes south of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, you know, born here, uh, you know, my, my parents, you know, they did the best they could, even though my dad um, was dealing with some issues uh, of, uh, you know, the, the same thing that I eventually battled, uh, which is substance abuse. And, you know, just growing up in that type of environment, we, you know, we were extremely poor. We was in the projects. Um, you know, I just had a, a pretty rough life growing up. Though, again, like I said, my mom, she did the best she could to provide for us. You know, um, with that being said, she worked a lot. And my dad was out partying, so... Ultimately, I was raised by the streets. So, you know, just running the streets and, and just being a product of my environment, you know, started getting into stuff I shouldn't have been getting into. Um, All up to, you know, carrying guns and, and obviously selling drugs and just living a whole lifestyle that, you know, I never thought I was going to live. Like, I'm okay to say it now. I, I wasn't raised or built to go to prison for 30 years, you know. Um, I'm okay to say that. Some people, you know, want to act tough and act like that's something to uh, be prideful about. But me, you know, I like, I like McDonald's too much. I like uh, enjoying, <laughs> you know, uh, things in, in day-to-day life. So, But just to be honest, like from, from, from my childhood, even 
through my teen years, like I, I was always very athletic. So in high school, I ran a four eight. Um, I could dunk a basketball. I played. Uh, I actually played all four years in high school. Uh, play and I played varsity basketball, but also. You know, I played a little bit of football because everybody looks at me like, oh, you, you must have been a football player. No, not really. Uh, I played one year, quit, um, tried to come back, uh, quit again. It seems like it seemed like every time I faced adversity or came across a point to where things got really hard, I would always quit. And over time in life, I formed this quitters mentality that anytime, you know, again, I was faced with adversity or or just uh, trials in life, I would give up or run to the drug to kind of supplement, to take me, um, you know, keep me out of reality, you know, like help me escape reality. And, you know, I lived that way for, you know, 12 years of my life. So mm -hmm. is that kind of? I mean, I think we're on the right yeah. track here. It's just, it, it's good to know kind of what gives you your drive. You yeah. Know, what, what inspires you now is is where you came from yeah you know we all have a different upbringing a different childhood a different way of going you know like i grew up poor but not po yeah like it was it was you. there i mean there were days like i'd be hungry because all we had was rice yeah there was no hamburger i'm like well fucking why can't we have hamburger like, well we ain't got no money for hamburger well no. fuck i guess i'm eating rice so you know like there were days like that but of course i don't miss any meals now <laughs> clearly because i'm a fat ass but you know, with you growing up like that, going through and playing all high school sports, were you as big as you are now? Yeah, so in, in high school, I was around 290. Um, so I was still a bigger kid. Mm -hmm. But again, like very athletic, um, you know. And, and through this all these seasons, I really thought that I was going to get an opportunity to go play in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Though my work ethic didn't line up with my dreams, uh, you know, I just still had this – fantasy of going and playing football so that's why i would always try to return to football but i would always let these outside influences um you know pressure me into you know doing what they were doing so one like uh again my junior year i haven't played football in two seasons the end of my junior year i had three to one division one schools come look at me for football mm -hmm. just come talk to me and so my junior year that that the end of the year Going back into it, uh, I started football again, and um, you know, spring practice and, and summer practice, and made it almost up until a couple weeks uh, until a couple weeks away from school starting. And uh, there was a pool party, and my friends were you know partying, smoking weed, and drinking, and that's what I wanted to do. You know, I'm sitting here miserable in football practice, and uh, I tried to look for a way for the coach to probably send me home. But, um, you know, that day he didn't just send me home. He kicked me off the team, you know. So uh, that was probably one of the biggest mistakes that I made, you know, even though, uh, again, I probably could have uh, came back. I could have, you know, set my pride aside and, and, you know, pretty much begged, but I was too um, – I always had a chip on my shoulder and I was too prideful to even do anything like that. And ultimately th that was my ticket out. That football was my ticket out. That was a chance for me to be able to at least go play Division One football and, you know, hopefully get seen. But again, the the pattern of me compromising my life over and over again when things got tough or when, you know, something I didn't agree with, I would always, you know, compromise. And that once you start compromising at an early age and you make it a habit, 
um, even quitting things, um, you make it habitual and, you know, that's all you know. So from from childhood all the way up to me being an adult, you know, I had this just quitters mentality and even whenever I left high school and went to college, I ended up going to Western Kentucky University and, you know, for a while I did great. But again, once once things start, you know, getting a little tough and, and adversity hits again, I'm ready to give up. So I found myself on campus selling drugs um, simply because I didn't have money like everybody else did as far as like their parents trying to help them and people had cars on, on campus and I didn't have those things and I wanted those things. I was tired of, you know, being the, you know, even though I'm not saying like we were like crazy, crazy poor, but my parents just couldn't help me. They wasn't in position to help me. So, you know, me seeing everybody else, you know, have things in life and I'm just like, ultimately I didn't see the bigger picture that, you know, you work for these things and eventually you can buy these things. I wanted those things now. Mm-hmm. So easy road again, started selling drugs on campus, um, you know, committing robberies, armed robberies, just, the, you know, the stuff that you see on TV, you know, and that's really, ultimately, that's not who I was. You know, I wasn't raised to be, you know, this this gangster of a guy, and I'm okay to say that. Like, I'm a chump, really, to be honest. Like, when it comes to, like, going to prison and doing a long time in prison, I just, you know, that's just not me. Um, so I don't think any of us really are like, you know what, man? Prison sounds like a great idea. No, I'm just not. I'm too pretty for prison. I yeah, can't do that man, shit. Man, look, yeah, that that beard is really pretty. So exactly. Uh, so I'd have to like cut it off, and then I have this baby <laughs> face, and it would be just a, it'd be a nightmare. That just would not work out well for me at all. So I mean, like, so the people that I was raised in, the environment that I was raised in, you always you're t- you're supposed to be tough. You never show emotion. You know, you never um, show any kind of weaknesses. So. You always have, and, and and just I guess the fear of being exposed or whatever, just having people. Um, I always had to carry this facade or, or or this image that I'm a tough guy everywhere I go, you know, just so nobody would try to test me, you know. And eventually, um, over time, I really embraced that lifestyle, and and you know, I turned into a monster. And this was uh, through college, and and once I got kicked out of college, I'm back here in this little uh, podunk town of Owensboro and, you know. Um, so what what year was that? You left, you left I really, Western? I left Western about 2007. Okay. So 2007, then I'm back here in Owensboro and just realizing that, that um, like, I'm a failure. The only thing that I'm good at is selling drugs. That's, that's what I thought, you know. And um, I was like, if this is the life that God gave me, then I'm just going to live it to the fullest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to party and – um, use whatever drugs I can get my hands on and just live life and travel and do all this stuff. And that's when I really um, started experimenting with prescription pills and, and just your your vast uh, majority of just like crazy uh, drugs, you know, um, such as ecstasy and um, uh, cocaine and, 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 you know, different drugs like that. So and, you just started you just started taking those because you thought, hey, this is what I'm supposed to do, not – not necessarily like what I hear a lot of times is, you know, injury happens, prescription medication is prescribed, you're given that, and then hooked after that. This was just something you were like, hey, I'm selling this shit anyway. Might as well try it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I like, it's crazy because the, 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 the day that I got kicked out of Western and it was time for me to leave, um, I came back here to Owensboro, and uh, the first time I've ever took prescription pills, I took two Xanax bars. 
and I fell in love with them. I fell in love with them, and it was like an everyday thing. So it, it got so out of control that at one point I could take 10 Xanax bars and think that I'm functioning. So I'd get behind the wheel, yeah, I'm up, and I'm walking around, I'm partying, and, and you know, th that's the lifestyle that I lived, you know. Um, consume as much. Oh, you can take five, I can take 10. You know, you smoke 10 joints, I'm going to smoke 40. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. just always trying to one-up everybody just because I felt like it made me – um, it made me more have have more of a uh, like, like that people would look at me. I, I don't know the right word I'm looking for, but that that um, because ultimately it's dumb, you know. But um, you figured it would garner respect. Yeah, like almost to an yeah. extent. But I mean, who respects a person who? I mean, because once you're on Xanax and stuff like, and you're drinking, you do whatever. You'll steal. You'll rob somebody. You'll do all these things, but. You know, who's going to respect that? But that's the sick, twisted thought process of a person who abuses drugs like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just getting in the mix and, and you know, just, you know, getting to a, a, a place where all I did was party every single day, um, selling drugs, again, partying. Um, and I thought that all these things that would fill this void that I had in my heart, like that it would make me feel um you know that that I would be satisfied. I remember thinking once I got, you know, $20,000 saved up or I'm driving this type of car and I got this type of girl that I'd be satisfied, I'd be content with life. And I had a party at my house one day and I had about 200 people there. And oh, it's crazy. Well, I didn't realize like one night I got on the microphone at the bar and told everybody party at my house. That's and, a great idea. Yeah, great idea, right? Yeah. Terrible fucking idea is what that is. So uh, we hop in the car. I go and we hit a route. We're like, you know, we're blazing. And I pull up to my house. And I, there's so many people at my house. People were out in my yard, my backyard, my side yard. I mean, it was literally, it was about 200 people there. And um, so me, I'm like, hey, I'm, this is what I want. You know, I want to be the center of attention. So mm -hmm. um, I thrived off of people seeing me. And, like, you know, when you walk into a, a bar or a club and people are like, hey, man, there's Julius. And everybody's throwing their attention towards you. And it just, um, you know, I, I fed off of that type of stuff. So, um, you know, I had a moment of clarity. And it's just like, is this all that life has to offer? You know, just thinking, you know, every day. I didn't, you know, at that age, you know, people are starting their careers, you know, uh, they're buying homes, they're starting families, and I'm sitting here, you know, selling drugs every day and just with no, really pretty much no life, looking forward to what, just going to the bar and partying or whether here in Kentucky or wherever else I went, you know, so that was, I had moments like that, but I just didn't, I, it just didn't click. I didn't wake up and say, look, man, I need to just do the right thing and get a job and you know, carry myself like a normal person would, you know? So then I'm, 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 uh, we're, I end up getting busted, um, for trafficking pills and weed. And how did that go down? Uh, well, actually I had a studio at my house too. So at that point in time, I wasn't even there. I was out running around the town and they showed up to my house and they knocked on my door and I had about, I think, 13 people there. And um, they were at, they were looking for me. And they said that they wasn't going to let anybody leave until 
um, until uh, I came home. Mm-hmm. So I could either run or I could either, you know, show up and, you know, let everybody be able to have a chance to go home. But at the end of the day, they took everybody to jail because they found more drugs, um, pills, everything. I mean, it's crazy because you can, you can Google, like, Julius's arrest and you can see, like, that the whole write-up and the whole video of, like, uh, you know, where the news were out there and things like that. And they took, that day, they took me and, I think, 13 others to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because even though those guys wasn't selling drugs, just by them being there, um, they were, I guess, implicated into the, you know, the... the right, accessories to the, the fact, yeah, yeah, so, um, to my case. So, um, it's, I mean, it's funny. So, I ended up, I got, I still continue to, like, you know, beat drug tests, going through a court and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I got off uh, with, uh, on, like, probation. That was because it was my first time getting a felony. And then, like, you know, once I scaved that and made it through that, you know, I'm thinking, hey, I'm not getting a job. I'm going back to the same thing. So, once again, I'm back to selling drugs again, living that lifestyle, being the life of the party. And, you know, all those things come to an end. Um, 2012, I got busted for trafficking marijuana through the mail, uh, marijuana and prescription pills. I was getting drugs shipped uh, here from California. And um, uh, the SWAT team raided the home that I was at. And uh, it was it's funny because the one one minute the 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 mailman dropped off this big box, and like two minutes later he's all swatted out from head to toe, you know. Um, and that that there was a point then because like in that mix of that that season from the first time I got busted to the second time, like uh, I I met this girl and I got her pregnant, and yeah, and you know I still didn't change my you know my lifestyle. So now I have a kid in the mix. You know, I'm locked up again. Now they're out there fending for themselves. And October 25th, 2012, I spent my daughter's first birthday, like, locked up. Um, and actually, they brought – my my wife brought her up there to the jail to see me. And that's probably one of the most pivotal moments in my life uh, was my daughter uh, – visiting my daughter that day on her on her first birthday. Was it, like, same room or, like, through the glass? It was through the glass. Fuck. Yeah, so yeah, I mean it, that that's probably if I could tell you any moment in my life to where um things resonated and it finally clicked was that day, you know. Uh growing up I always thought, you know, my my dad was there but he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So like I always wanted that longed for like relationship that father. And so with that being said, growing up I was I would always say that, you know, whenever I become a father one day that that I'm going to be there for my kids, you know. I'm not going to be like the dad that, that I had were in and out and, you know, not coming to my games and not, you know, doing what real dads do, right? So um, it just hit me, you know, that day um, watching my daughter through this glass and her trying to touch me through the glass, uh, it, it just spoke to me. And I I just remember that day, like, I'm sitting there in the visitation room and after that, that point of her trying to touch me, like, through the glass, it just, it struck me to the core. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I couldn't, like, I just started weeping like a baby. I couldn't control the emotions that I was experiencing because you got to think about it. Like, for 10 years of my life, just about every single day, I was on some kind of substance, whether drinking um, uh, codeine, promethazine, mixing with Xanax, and smoking 
you know, up to 10 to 15 blunts a day, like just that lifestyle all day, drinking every single night. And it was the first time, like, really, I got to really experience, like, pain, like, know what it feels like because I blocked it for so many years. Mm-hmm. And um, it was I, I, it was so bad. Like, they just pulled me out of the visitation room and sent me back to my cell. And, uh, of course, which I'm not ashamed of, like, I'm a big man of faith, man. Like, I went back and uh, I dropped to my knees and I said, God, if you're real, you'll show me you're real. You'll give me purpose. That was my exact words and um you know in that process things for me started to change um i no longer cared about what kind of car i drove i no longer cared about how much money i had or what girl i was sleeping with or or, uh you know what we were going to be doing as far as partying or hitting a lick or what i mean by hitting a lick like robbing somebody Mm -hmm. um Thank, no. Thanks for that context. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I am from like Edmondson County, so you know, I don't know nothing, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I'm just, I'm tired, man. I'm tired. I've burnt every single bridge. Uh, I've broken every single promise. Um, and now I have this daughter in the mix, and, you know, I'm not doing what a dad's really supposed to do, and that's lead their family. So I'm just in this position to where things have to change, and I got out. And I went to this recovery program, the one that I work for today. It's called Friends of Centers. And, um, you know, that's where, like, me picking up the, the iron started, you know. Um, like Eddie Hall says, um, iron out your problems with the iron, you know. And that's where, because, like, once I got out and got a job, like, you got to think about it. The first That was the first time I've ever held a full-time job, you know, at the age of 26, so wow. I've never held, held a full-time job. I've always, you know, paid for everything with drug money, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, you know, I was going through a state or a season of depression, like bad where, like, I wanted to die, really, just because I've never I've never had to feel. I've never had to, um, like, I mean, like, my first job was digging trenches. Like, for no, for all day, no bro. Money. Yeah, oh, $9 an hour. Oh, digging God. trenches. I'm talking hundred foot trenches, mm-hmm. and like I mean to the point to where my hands are blistered, and I'm coming home. Um, I'd go to work, and I'd go back to this recovery program, and you know my hands would be blistered. I can barely move my body. But though that was, I was experiencing that. Like I knew that there was no other uh, direction to go. Like I had to do what I had to do. I put myself in that position, and like many times, I always ran. I always compromised myself and, and ran when things got tough. And I said, I'm done running. I'm I'm done running. I'm not going to run anymore. So what I did to help combat, like, the depression um, was start every day when I got off work. Once I kind of got uh, acclimated to, like, working a full-time job, um, mm-hmm. I would go down to that basement every single day and rip out 225, like three sets of 10, overhead press, three sets of 10, um, curls, three sets of 10, skull crushers, three sets of 10. I did that every single day for six months. Same way. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I got to a point to where I started adding on a little weight, a little more weight, like a 10 or 20, um, two 10-pound two weights or whatever uh, plates. But, um, you know, I didn't realize, you know, anything about training or programming. So I'm just adding weight and just, you know, do, sticking to three sets of 10 because that's what people there told me I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And one day, this was about – I was about a year in – and maybe maybe a little little more, but they were like somebody. One of my friends we were joking, and they were like, "Man, you should 
throw on every single plate on down here and rep it out. You should be able to do that. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And we put every single plate on in the basement. And I did it for three reps. It ended up being like 505 pounds. And one of the staff members there, you know, we told him, you know, we're kind of bragging about it. I'm still, I don't even know because I'm, I'm not, I didn't know anything about lifting weights. Mm-hmm. And they're like, do you realize that not many people are doing what you're doing? And I'm like, no, not really. You got to think about it. For 10 years, all I thought about was drugs, money, and sex. Is it, you know? Mm-hmm. You never so, thought about anything more than a kilo. That's it. No, seriously. Yeah. Like, that's, if, if we wasn't talking money or drugs, like, I ain't, we have no conversation, you know? I couldn't hold a normal conversation. Mm. So, um, at this point, you know, we're like, all right, let's do the, you should do this uh, competition at this barbecue festival we're having. I mean, that we have every year. So I go and I do this uh, competition. I hit 525. And then I think in that process is where um, one of my buddies that I started with lifting weights um, in the the beginning, he reached out to Josh Bryant. And Josh uh, started being my coach. And for long, I went from that to 625 bench, um, 625 to where I'm at today in about five and a half years. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's kind of. So you've stayed raw this whole time. Yeah. Never put a shirt on. Never put a shirt on. Have you thought about it? No. The, the reason why I've thought I haven't thought about putting on a shirt is simply because I've used like uh, different like slingshots and things like that, which um, I'm gonna try to start doing again. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because just the overload because I'm I'm in I'm in waters that I've never I've never been before. You know. You're in waters that nobody's ever nobody's been ever been before. Yeah. So, um, but it just it took it took me out of my natural, almost like my natural movement. Like I don't know. It always felt I have such big shoulders, and it seemed like whenever I put on like a slingshot or something like that, that it would everything seemed like it was always like pinched together. Mm-hmm. So I kept getting like little pec tears and. And things like that, so it would set me back three weeks, four weeks, a month. Mm-hmm. So I just quit doing that, and we just strictly stuck to training raw. Period, and um, I quit experiencing those type of issues, and you know, kept growing, getting stronger, getting stronger, getting stronger, and now I'm to a point to where you know uh, I'm the strongest man in the world for bench press. So, in your training that you're doing now, what is your what is your standard workload? I mean, are you are you prepping for full meets, or you just want to do bench only? I'm I'm just doing bench only right now, just because, um, like having a full time job and having four kids and just going through all this at this point in time right now in my life, um, you know, doing a full power meet is not uh, feasible for me. Like, you know, does that mean like it does? I'm just not ready to go through all this and, and, and put myself through the training yet until I can free up some other stuff on my plate. Uh, because it's, it's not just a physical game. It's, it's mental is is just as important as the physical. So if I'm not mentally prepared to endure what I have to endure for a full power meet, just as, just like strong man, like I have to, um, I'm, I need to be in a place to where I'm mentally prepared to do this stuff, you know? So as of right now, I'm just doing bench only, um, I am going to start training the log uh, here in the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. We're going to pick that up and start uh, doing some of those uh, variations and 
hopefully, uh, you know, get started on that and, 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 you know, further my career in that and, and eventually going to Strongman. Okay. So as we transition over to, you know, the world of Strongman, um, a question that got brought up to me is, you're a big guy. How do you move? So moving events are a huge part of what Strongman is. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like CrossFit, but for men. Yeah. Um, and for like real women, because uh, they get tired of that CrossFit shit and then they come over. So, you know, when you grab a a twelve hundred pound yoke, are you gonna be able to move with that? Is that something you think that your body will be able to take at this stage? I mean, not tomorrow, clearly, because yeah. you know you've got to you got to work your way up. But I mean, you know, a, a heavy farmer's walk, a sandbag carry, uh, you know, any of these standard type movements that we have. Do you think that's going to be there? Because we know you're statically strong. Yeah. We've seen that. There's video of it. We know that you can push a lot of fucking weight in one direction. But can you pick it up and run with it? Yeah. Um, to answer your question, and I don't, I don't want to say this out of arrogance or anything, like, uh, but I'm a, I'm a firm believer that that I have what it takes to do, you know, strongman. Uh, of course, I want to lose about forty pounds, mm -hmm. um, anywhere from forty to sixty pounds. But ultimately, when it comes to a challenge, I love challenges. And I think at that point, later, at the point to where if, uh, I'm moving away from my full-time job and I'll be able to train uh, full-time, well, you know, that's that's not going to do anything but add to, you know, help out. Um, so, yes, whenever I get to a place to where, you know, I can cut out some of my distractions that I have, uh, yes, I, I think I'll do very well. Like I said, in high school, I mean, at 300 pounds, you know, I ran a 4.8, and I could dunk a basketball with two hands. Like, I've always been athletic. I love, like, I have a heart for basketball. You know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to lose weight in the first place is because I can't do some of the things that I love, and I want to be able to do those things. Mm -hmm. So, but, um, yes, um, I, I am very athletic. I feel that over time, I can my body will adapt, and that um, some. I'm not saying that I'm going to be the best in every single event uh, when it comes to you know um, those different kind of um, um, I guess uh, I guess events or, or like the yoke the yoke walk is that what you said and, mm -hmm. and farmer carries and things like that. But um, I just know that. You know, with my drive and my strength, that I know it's going to carry over. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I, I mean, like personally, I, I feel like all your strength is going to carry over. But the only concerns that I've heard, as far as anything, is just the moving events. Yeah. Um, and how you're going to be able to, you know, respond to it. I did a walk through on your gym for uh, 30 seconds. I walked around. You got a lot of space here, a lot of empty space. There's a lot of room for strongman implements. Yeah. So is that something that you want to like bring into this gym here, or do you just want to go and train other facilities with other people and see kind of how they're doing stuff and then pick it up there? Or I mean, how do you want to how do you want to approach you know your your crossover to strongman? Well, we're, we're, I mean, we're going to do a little both. So this gym that you're looking at um, now in six months it'll be somewhere else. So we have more space. There's gonna more be so than now. More so than now. It's going to be a whole a section. Huge amount of space. It's going to be a whole section for a strongman. Okay. So we'll have a whole setup there, and then of course, like I, I'm, I'm a big believer, like of, of always uh, remaining teachable. Mm -hmm. So um, whatever I can learn from whoever I can learn, um, I'm open. I'm not one of those type of guys that just you know that's not willing to take advice, take heed to advice from other people. Um, Rady. 
Terry, yeah. Terry, you know him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do y'all got history together? We've known each other for a while. Okay. I'll just, I'm going to smile and not say anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I met him at the uh, at the last uh, um, Strongman event that I was at down in uh, Dayton. I mean, Daytona. And um, you know, He was at uh, Kentucky Muscle, too, when you were there. Oh, he was? He won that show. I didn't know that. And that was... Um, America's Strongest Man 105K. So all the Okay, that's months. what he said. He told me he he recently won that. Yeah. I didn't know it was at that show. Yeah, the show where I saw where you came yeah. and saw me. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was okay. filming was that. So, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um and I met your 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 good buddy um from he's up towards uh Lexington. Yeah, Davey McCann. Yep. Yeah. I met him. Um and uh he he's we've talked and of course you. So yes, I have people, and uh, you know um, Nick Best, um, Eddie Hall. All these guys are in my corner. Um, you know, so whatever help that I need, like next year I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling. So traveling for training, mm-hmm. and I'm going to utilize every tool that I have uh, to make sure that I'm successful. But um, am I like I said? Am I saying that I'm going to come in and just sweep the games? No, I'm not saying that. But I know that with my drive and the people that I have in my corner, I have a very good chance of, of being uh, good at what I, you know at, at, at the events. So, so you've had these these bigger guys in your ear to let you know which way to go. Eddie can be very persuasive. Um, he's he's good at that. That's he should have been a fucking salesman. He yeah. really should have. So with him, you know, kind of guiding you, what direction is it that you think you want to go in? I mean, do you want to? just go do the Giants live stuff or do you want to come through like Strawman Corporation or which direction do you think you need to go? Well, I mean, again, I'm new to this and I don't even know what direction I need to go, mm-hmm. you know? So I just know that uh, April 2020, no, I think it's the 4th. So April um, of 2020, the 4th, I'll be, um, I'll be doing the log press. Have is you that, heard that? Is that the Log Press World Championships? It's the Log Press World Championships. And that's because Eddie said you can go. Yeah. Well, I mean, not Eddie saying that I could mm-hmm. go, but um, uh, D- uh, not Darren, but Colin. Colin challenged me, and I took the challenge. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I know that's not like, I guess, your typical way of getting in there, um, but I guess they did for Larry Will, so um, they're going to make an exception for me. Is I mean, in I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but that's I don't I don't know the the right direction, uh, or I don't know what it takes to get to where I need to get. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I've heard from multiple different uh, people um, again that uh, this is how you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to go start from here, start from here, start go to there, and then I get here from another person. They tell me this, so like I don't know. I'm just I'm just here for the show, and I want to compete. And I'm just here again, like I said, um, open ear to take whatever advice I can get. Well, I'll tell you, in, for for the position that, that I'm in and where I'm at and all the strongmen that I see going on around the world, I try to look as far big picture as possible. Okay. And I'm looking at the future. Okay. What strongman is going to be in 5, 10, 20 years. Because all of us are expendable. If any of us go away, if Dion goes away, anybody, next man up. It's yeah. the next federation. It's the next thing. It's the next thing. So you've got to put yourself into a position where you can perform on any level. Yeah. So if you skip some steps, as you know, like with bench, if you if you forget to do your grip the right way, 
hey, your bench is going to fucking suck. Yeah. You'll still be strong, but something else could happen down the line. So personally, and this is just Dave talking. This yeah. is just Dave. Nobody else influencing this idea at all. Um, if you're going to do the log championships, then do it. But be as prepared as possible to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, but go through the federation and the group that you have here that's available to you. Yeah. Inside of Kentucky, every year we have seven strongman contests that are just strongman corporation. They all lead you up to go to nationals and or the Arnold. Um, usually a plat plus show um, in April around the same time that you want to go do log. That sets you to go to the Arnold. Now, if you go through this process, you do a local show, qualify for nationals, go to nationals, win or place very well there, then you get to go to the Arnold uh, World Championships. Once you get to there, the heavyweight that wins gets an automatic bid to the big stage. That's the only, there's only two positions that get automatic bids. Really? And that's if you win the Amateur Worlds, okay. automatic bid. And then if you win the Arnold, you're an automatic bid. So the day of the actual first qualifier for the Arnold big stage is Amateur World Championships. Yeah. Because, well, it'll be the, the winner because that's the night before. But on Sunday, that's when they'll crown. So the number two spot goes to whoever that is. Last year was Bobby Thompson. Bobby did it a different way. He didn't he didn't mess with nationals at all. I had him on the podcast too. Yeah. Um, and what Bobby did was he planned for Beast of Bluegrass, because he lives in Virginia. Okay. He planned everything for Beast of Bluegrass. He went in there, swept it. I mean, dominant as hell, just really great day. Every event was built for him. It was just it worked. Then he had almost a year to prep just for the Arnold World Championships. He goes there, didn't have any bad showing. Nothing went you know, not his way. Yeah. He didn't sweep, but he did really good in every single event. And at the end of the Arnold, he was the qualifier. And then once you do that and you go through that process and you're with Strongman Corporation, your opportunities are huge because yeah. that's your tie into the Arnold. The Arnold is where all the money is. That's the one, they're the ones doing the biggest payouts. They're doing the most notoriety. Worlds is cool. I love Worlds and I went this year because it's Worlds. Yeah. But to get there, it's a much different process. Mm. It's a lot of the good old boy program. It's yeah. a whole lot of knowing Colin or not, if he likes you, if he doesn't like you. If yeah. so-and-so knows who you are, oh, you did this, you did that. So you go through that process. If you just go the other way, and you come back, and like, well, you want to be America's Strongest Man. You're from America. You'd want to be America's Strongest Man. I yeah. mean, that should be a title you want, right? Well, if you don't have a pro card through Strongman Corp., you can't. Yeah. You just can't do it. So it's like you have to go back. Jerry Pritchett came to this problem. He, uh, he went the other route, and he was a pro. You know, and I'm doing air, air quotes just for everybody who can't see me because nobody can. Um, he was a pro, but he couldn't do America's Strongest Man. So he goes to the boss and he says, hey, I want to do America's Strongest Man. She's like, you're not a fucking pro. We're not going to give you anything. So that's not gifted to yeah. you. No matter how how cool, how whatever, you can't go compete at America's Strongest Man unless you're a pro. See, I don't, I don't, I didn't, so I'm totally blind to the fact that I don't know the differences in the federations, I thought they all coexisted together. They do and they don't. They have working partnerships between them. Okay. They all talk to each other. They all work. But as far as like the Arnold goes, you go through Strongman Corporation. Okay. That's just the way that it is. I got you. So if you go through that route, then you will also be able to go to Giants Live and do all the other things for Worlds. But the other invitations that come out of like doing team events and other stuff, you get put on a register. And you go and you went like for for Bobby, it was it was really plain and simple. He won the Arnold, and then Dion talked to him, and said, "Hey, you got your passport? You ready to go?" Well, yeah, you know, I know next year I'll be doing. No, 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 this year you're going. 
Yeah. We've got this many shows planned out for you to go. Now you got to be ready. You got to have your time off. You got to have everything you know squared away. But then you got you're talking world travels. Now you're talking going to Canada, going to Poland, going to Russia, going to wherever. Wow. And that all goes through Strongman Corporation. And they pay for all that. Uh, the promoters usually end up paying for everything. Yeah. So once you're a pro, then you can do all those things. Yeah. You just have to make it to that level. So as an amateur, the expenses you're gonna have to pay, you're gonna have to do a local show, a or a regional type show, to get to nationals. Then you got to pay for your way to nationals, which is not gonna be that much. It's maybe a thousand bucks to get you through nationals. You have a wife and kids that might cost you more. Yeah. Because you got to travel, you got to get a hotel, you got to do all that. So you're looking at three days. You go to nationals. You got to do well. Yeah. That's the hard part is, you know, do well against guys that are fucking studs. Do well there, then go to the Arnold. Win there, then you're on the main stage. If you can make it to that point, then you're just like everybody. You're all the, with you, all the other pros. And you're still there. Yeah. And you still get your invites to go to Giants Live. And Colin is still going to call you about shit. Eddie's still going to call you about shit. Yeah. But if you go just that other route, you won't be as dynamic of an athlete. But if you come through what we do and prepare yourself the right way, then you're going to be a better athlete at the end of the day. See, Larry Wheels tried to do that jump over. And he was like, oh, well, I'm Larry Wheels. I can do this and this and this. And his camp would say a lot of things for him. And a lot of things would come out. Larry himself is a really nice guy. He's fairly humble. You know, just, hey, I want to go lift weights. But he wasn't ready. And he went to that show out in L.A. And he didn't win. Everyone's like, oh, Larry Wheels, strongest guy. He's going to be the world's strongest man. He's the next guy. No. Jose whooped his ass Yeah. in L.A. Then he went to the Arnold because that was a qualifier. He went to the Arnold. He took seventh. I was there. I so, was there. I mean, when that, when that happens, it's like, okay. So, Larry, at his best, if you just transition that over, would have been maybe eighth. Yeah. Maybe. And they're like, oh, he's going to be the world's strongest man. Well, if you can't even can't even make it to the Arnold, yeah. you can't be the world's strongest man. I you can't you. be that guy. But he has so much notoriety, so much Instagram, so much other things. Everyone's like, oh, my God, he's going to be this, he's going to be that. He ain't ready. Yeah. Well, I want him to stick with it. I want him to put in the time, do the work. You know, he went and he trained with Half Thor. He lived in Iceland for six weeks. That's great. I fucking love that part of it. But he's got to put in the work with the right federation to make it happen. Yeah. If he just ends up with an invite to Worlds, I'm going to look at Worlds a little bit less. Yeah. It's like he hasn't won anything yet. He hasn't done shit. Yeah. I mean, there were lightweights that finished that show at the Arnold that were better than him. Wow. I mean, Anthony Furman finished better than him because he actually got the invite and got to go. Yeah. And Anthony Furman finished second in ASM. So when you look at all these things relatively, you know, as far as placements, it's anybody's game. And right now, Strongman, I think, is probably at its absolute best of all time. You've got five or six guys right now that are at the very top. Any one of them can win at any time. There's nothing that says, oh, well, this guy, he, there's no way he can make it. No. There's five guys. You've got Shaw. You've got Hafthor. You've got Mateos. you got Martins. And you got Novikov. Any one of these guys can go and win Worlds at any time. Yeah. Then you got the Stoltman brothers that are right there. I mean, they're so close to just being as dominant as everybody else. But what are you going to do? Yeah. So you're coming in at a time where you've got some real monsters to deal with. Oh, yeah, and I'm not taking away from any of those guys. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm just not – I wouldn't be in a, be ready to hit any type of stage until later on next year as far right. as, like, full body movements. But when it comes to um, upper body movements, like, I'm just – 
flat out saying it like I'm I'm a monster when it comes to those events. Mm-hmm. So I know that. So now with what you've told me, yeah, like I, I know that I'm gonna do it the right way. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it the right way when I start training, you know, for all the events. But um, you know, and and again, um, I'm Colin. It's uh, I'm saying that right, right? Yeah. Colin didn't just um say like, all right, you're gonna you're gonna get this position. Like I'm giving it to you right now. Right. Basically, he's saying like you're gonna have to prove your you're gonna have to prove your way to get there. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna require me at least putting up a what is it a 475 pound log just being which able is, to do that which, which is, is fucking huge yeah, I know that the record's so, what 502 503 503 so I mean it's it's been standing for a long time yeah because Z is the greatest yeah I mean uh, I, I talked to Magnus Ver, right yeah four time world strongest man quintessentially the greatest of all time and I asked him I said alright so who's the, who's the best strongman of all time he didn't even hesitate he said Z there's nobody that's done the shit he's done. Yeah. That's won the amount of titles and all the stuff that he had going on. If he had been in Worlds when he was in IFSA, Marius wouldn't have five titles. There's no way. Yeah, he's and I'm again I'm learning. Mm-hmm. I'm learning a lot of the, you know, uh, old school guys and 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 just uh some of the elite of the elite, you know, and and again, like I said, the, that's the direction that I'm going to go in the future. Uh and I'm going to give it all I got. So um, I'm not going to be one of those type of guys that's just going to try to ride off um, my IG fame. Or, like, I want to earn it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to earn it. So however that looks over the next year, I'm going to earn whatever I need to do. You know, so um, it's, it's kind of, you know, and again, like I said, I'm, I'm new to the sport. So um, I don't know what to expect. Um and I'm not, you know, I just, I just know that I'm up for a challenge. Any kind mm-hmm. of challenge, I'm up for it, and I'm willing to give it all I got, no matter what it is. So when it comes to the moving events, when it comes to, you know, uh, whatever, whatever events that's that's in my way, like I just, you know, I know my drive and my mindset. Whenever I'm able to focus on those things, and I'm not going to let anything stop me, you know. So that's it's just kind of the 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 mindset that I have to have, uh, not just referring to sports, but to all aspects of life, just because of everything that I've went through, and how you know, in, at one point in my life where I would always give up and I would always have this quitters mentality, and 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 I was very uh, weak minded, and I think one of the biggest differences today is that uh, my mindset is totally different, so. Whatever whatever life throws, I'm 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 ready for it, you know. So, well, I I like the approach that you've got. I like the uh, the drive. Clearly, you're able to lift heavy things. I mean, you already have the world record. You're going to probably improve on that this next year. I mean, your work ethic is there. I'm never going to question that. Um, it's just the the road you take. Yeah, I think you're you're one of the strongest people on the planet as it is. Just got to make it form to the sport that it needs to be in. Yeah. Um, but I, I really do. I, I like the approach. So I want to, I want to kind of kick back a little bit back to the, uh, the family life part. So you had your, your first daughter, right? Yeah. And then you went through a extremely traumatic time looking through the glass. I, I don't know that I could get over that. Um, that would be something for me that would probably just fucking rock me to the core. Uh, even having that 
that visual while you're telling me about it just kind of hurt, hurts my heart a little bit. So you're married now. Mm-hmm. And you got four kids. You're working full time. You're trying to train all the time. You're here at the gym. You're at home. You're doing everything you can. You're traveling. You're going all these places. How has that affected home life? Well, uh, in the beginning, it was a little rough. But to be honest, the way we transitioned, like, from my old lifestyle to to the kind of the lifestyle we live today is just this whole process since I've been, you know, sober and, and living a different way. Pretty much that's all we've known because, you know, I started I started powerlifting like the first year I got to come home because I had to stay at this facility for two years. Mm-hmm. So whenever I transitioned home, I had already been into powerlifting for about five or six months. So we already started to get a taste of what training – we already knew what training was going to be like. We already knew what – um a little bit with trap because I had already started to travel a little bit mm-hmm. to train and try to get some advice from different people. So this whole season over the past, you know, six years, five and a half, six years is, is um, I mean, which travel and different things, different things like that has increased. But uh, my wife has handled it really well. My wife handles it really well. So um, she's a stay at home mom. Uh, I take care of everything. And, you know, that kind of helps where she's not working a full-time job and doing all this extra stuff also while I'm out of town and doing all these things. So, ultimately, she's just she's just been the rock. She's handled it. Um, my kids, um, you know, my kids love it. My kids love what I do. So, uh, apart from, you know, other extracurricular activities, like I try to spend as much time with my family as possible. Um, we FaceTime each other a lot. Um, so I just try to make sure that, you know, I'm not neglecting them. And, you know, my kids love what I do also. And, you know, they 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 want me to be this person, you know. So everybody knows what it takes. And I, and I talk to my kids about it. And they know that when daddy's, daddy's gone, he's traveling, he's working. And I'm doing this to provide a better uh, a future for my kids and my family. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I'm setting, you know, I'm setting the standard, um, breaking the traditional curse that's been placed on my family, you know, uh, of, of just, you know, being in and out of the household. So that's a fine line. And, you know, it's a, it, it's tough because, like, I can easily get to a place to where, you know, though my motives are right, still it doesn't change the fact that I'm not there. You know, so again, the time that I am at home, I make sure I'm intentional um, and, you know, just hanging out with them and, and, you know, that's it. You know, just trying to, you know, be a dad and and, and balance everything also. So, Mm -hmm. Do they show interest in lifting? Oh, yeah. My kids love doing push-ups. I mean, from, I got got a four-year-old all the way up to a 11, 12, 11-year-old, which she's my stepdaughter, but, you know, she's my daughter. She's your daughter, yeah. Um, and they all, she was doing CrossFit for a while and then she start, she joined band or whatever. So she kind of lost interest in CrossFit. But, uh, my, my younger kids, they love, they love lifting weights. You, you could know. tell her that strong woman is way more fun than CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, like CrossFit for real I don't know people. if she's, if she's built for that. She, she <laughs> um, it's good that you're able to like tie that in. Cause I, I've heard about a lot of people, you know, they go and. Like they're they're a comedian or they're a musician or whatever else, and you know they go home and their kids are just not fans. 
Yeah. They're just like, that's dad, but I don't give a shit what music he plays. Like, that shit sucks. You know, or, <laughs> you know, he's he's a comedian. He's not funny. He's just not a funny guy. You know, you hear, you know, all the, all the greats like Rogan and everybody else talk about that shit. And their kids are just not always fans. Yeah. So the fact that your kids are your biggest fans, I, I think that means a lot as far as, you know, your personal drive and what you're able to do. Because when they're yeah. at a meet with you and you hear that, probably you tune everything out, I'm assuming, because uh, most people do. But it's it's always there. And they're the first people to come hug you, you know, yeah. and, and be proud of you and, you know, just love the, the work you put in. And that, I think that means more to a lot of folks um, than just, oh, yeah, my kids are at home. I'm not working. Eh, that's it, you know. Well, also, like, so I haven't been able to bring my kids yet. And, um, but it, that, that's something in the future that I'd love to, especially doing, like, Strongman. Mm-hmm. But, so, right, put it this way, right before I hit that 739-pound uh, bench press, one of the things that, that, like, that I use to fuel that, because we all know we have to get into a place where, you know, we have to tap into a strength that that we even can't comprehend, right? So two months leading up to this event, my kid, my four-year-old daughter, my four-, five-, and seven-year-old would ask me the same question every single day. Daddy, when are you going to be number one? When are you going to be number one? So, like, again, I had to prove a point, and I had to um, – so that's what played through my head. My little four-year-old smiling at me, asking me, Daddy, when are you going to be number one? So typically, like, going through um, um, warm-ups before me, I mean, before I, I go lift, I got my headphones in. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm kind of recluse. I'm, I'm, I step back and, and just out of the way. And But this time, there was something different. Like, I knew it, you know, and that just kept playing over and over and over again in my head and – I didn't have my headphones in. I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, people probably thought I was crazy at, at Boss of Bosses simply because I'm sitting there talking to myself, and I just kept repeating it, like, you're ready. Today's the day. You're ready. And, um, you know, so that, that just that just sparked it. it. It lit the fire, and 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 I believe that's, you know, what pushed me over the edge to where, you know, I got that lift. So I use those those moments. My kids love it. Like, I like. Whenever I'm I'm staying somewhere, um, wherever I'm at, uh, in another city, um, you know, I'll get a phone call. My kids, they're watching, they're actually watching my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. like watching my videos of me lift, you know. So my kids are very big supporters of, of their dad. They love they love their dad. They're proud of their dad. Um, and, you know, that's something that I always wanted to be is a good dad, you know. So, but again, for the listeners, if you are um, – if you do have a family at home, you know, guys, we it's easy to get sidetracked, especially when we're home. So we really need to be intentional about the time that we spend with our family. Um, and even sometimes I fail at that because whenever I am home, sometimes I'm checking emails or responding back to messages. And sometimes I have to just, I have to remind myself to put your phone up mm-hmm. and just spend time, actually spend quality time. Like, you know, so yeah. guys, they've got those, that. uh, those screen lock apps now to where you can limit yourself on how much screen time you're actually yeah. getting. And I've thought about it a lot. And then I was like, nah, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like just, you know, like I, I was talking to Shane Hammock, uh, like week before last and he's like, I don't have a phone. I'm like, 
the fuck? I mean, you don't have a phone. He's like, yeah, I don't need it. I'm like, bullshit. He's like, no, I have a landline. I'm like, a what? Like, well, you, you plug some shit into a wall and you have to be in that room to talk on that phone? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? It's just the, the business he's in now. You know, he had a he had a very important phone call with somebody overseas and the cell phone dropped the call. So he got cussed out because this guy, you know, oh. is in the he's in the big money, like the the billions. All of his numbers start with B's. Um and he called and cussed him out. Like, what kind of a Mickey Mouse organization you got running where you're doing business on a fucking cell phone? Get your shit together. Wow. And he was like, Oh, so he was mad after that call, so he broke his phone. He threw it. So, and it was gone for like three days. And he was like, you know what? I don't need this. So, I don't I don't need this in my life. So phones are important. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I'm not necessarily a proponent of that or going to like to the flip phone. But like it takes up a lot of your life. So like when we sat down here, I was like airplane mode. Because whatever can happen in the next hour, two hours, does not matter. Yeah, it can wait. Yeah, unless it's like September 11th happened again. But you know what? Somebody <laughs> will come through that door and be like, guys, <laughs> fucking planes at the towers. Like, we'll hear about it. Yeah. Anything less, I mean, really think about it. A week and a half ago on Tuesday, do you remember what happened on Facebook? No, not no. at all, bro. Nobody gives shit. Because no, <laughs> nothing no, happened. Yeah, nothing no, I get cool it. Was I going. get it. So, I mean, that, that's a big part of it. So, but at this juncture, I do, we're just going to take a quick break, um, hear from one of our sponsors, and then we will be right back. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This segment has been brought to you by Gorilla Strength Equipment. They build the equipment that we all use. They take great pride in what they do and believe wholeheartedly that things worth doing are worth doing right. Everything they send out, they're proud of, and every single item that comes out of that shop has a lifetime warranty. Just as important as producing heavy-duty quality equipment is providing top-notch customer service. Their number one purpose in life is to make a difference by helping people. Their goal is not to make a transaction with a customer. That doesn't mean shit. It's to create relationships, build friendships, and help people achieve their goals. The home gym craze is really just gone crazy. People aren't wanting to go pay 40, 50, 60, 70 bucks, you know, to go to a gym and spend you know several hours of their life there. They're trying to do it in their home. They're trying to do it in the garage, trying to do it in the basement. They're just trying to get it done. So this is a place you want to go to. Gorilla Strength Equipment will make just about anything. The creative mind that David Dennis has is unfathomable. I'd, I've helped him design stuff myself for Strongman events. You might have seen our equipment at Mammoth Strength Challenge. You might have seen it at Kentucky Strongest. You might have seen it at the Arnold Amateur World Championships. Last year, we just used the Bubba Bar as the axle deadlift for that championship. Now, we were able to load that bar up to over 700 pounds. There was no flex. None. None whatsoever. And we still had enough room to put another 400 pounds of bumper plates on there. See, they make great stuff. You need it. I need it. I use them all the time. I've got hubs, I've got axles, I've got bars, I've got grip stuff. Everything that you could ever need from Gorilla Strength is there. You need to contact them and let them know. Now, we're running a special deal for you. If you're listening to this podcast, if you use the coupon code H2OCAST, that's H2OCAST, when you do your checkout, you can get a Bubba Bar at the low, low price of $120. That's shipped. That's everything included. That's called you spend $120 and it's going to get delivered to your house. 
That is fantastic. You're not going to find another deal like that. Now, these are the same bars that we used at the Arnold Championships, the Amateur, amateur World Championships. We use these bars. They're fantastic. So if you go online, you go to GorillaStrength.us, and you use the coupon code H2OCAST, it's H2OCAST, then you can get these very, very, very special bars for only $120 shipped to your house. Normally, they're $150, so you're getting 30 bucks off. This is a huge discount, everybody. Go and check out David Dennis at GorillaStrength.us. All right, and we're back. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the ads and not just skipping through them. Um, I know my advertisers appreciate that, and all those guys are, are just people that I know and I love. Uh, they, they put out great products. So from Bull Strong to Gorilla Strength to you know everybody else, they're just they're fucking fantastic. So thank you guys for listening to that for a mid-roll read. So as we're getting back, I, I want to I talk a little bit about, about motivation. And bless you. It's, you. it's coming. Like you were like, I, I want to sneeze, but I can't. It's there. Oh. No, never mind. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, motivation. And what I hear a lot is excuses. Man, I can't, I can't make that travel. I can't do that because I don't have enough money. I don't have the time. I don't have this. I don't have that. And what I realized, like, through my own life like I just got back from Iceland. I'm going to Canada next week. I was like, "Oh my god, you must be rich and doing all this stuff." And no, I'm I'm not. I work really hard for what I have, and I make sure to make the time for these trips because am I going to get another chance to go to Iceland and hang out at, you know, at Geysers and like, you know, sit sit in uh in Magnus for Magnuson's gym, and I was tired, so I took a nap on the bench. And I'm at one of the most iconic gyms of all time in Jackabowl, and I'm I'm taking a nap. I'm stretching out at Thor's gym, just hanging out, you know, over on the carpet, watching guys lift 180 kilo logs for reps, like it's fucking wow. fun. Well, yeah, they're just they're just over there killing it. Then I'm just hanging out, you know, talking to Stefan Sylvie Peterson, like, hey man, what's up? Well, you guys want to go eat later or what? <laughs> you know, these are just like some once in a lifetime opportunities. And if you ever think, oh man, I, as soon as I have this much money, it's like you were talking about before. Once you have this much money and you drive this car and you have this girl, then you'll be happy. People try to do that for everything else, too. Yeah. They try to apply that to, well, man, I can't. Oh, you went to Iceland? That must have been so expensive. No, man. My ticket was $430. It wasn't expensive. And I had a nine-hour layover in uh, you know, JFK. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, man, nine hours. That must have sucked. No, it was fucking awesome because I went downtown. Yeah. I, fucking, I caught the train. I experienced the train life. That shit sucks. That's gross. <laughs> then I get down there. I take an Uber for like four blocks. It was like 50 bucks. I was like, well, I'm going to walk next time. I'm not doing that again. But, you know, I went down there. I got a slice. I went and saw Atlas. I went to St. Pat's Cathedral. I went to the Infinity Pools, did all that shit, and then came back just because I put in the time. Yeah. And I stopped making fucking excuses because I definitely could have been like, well, what if I don't get back in time? Well, what if this happens? What if I get robbed? What if, man, Yeah. you got to just live. So what brings you to the point where you can come back in this gym every day? And push that weight. Um, just ultimately being able to inspire other people when people come up to me or I get messages on, you know, social media and people are saying like, you know, I haven't touched a weight in 10 years and watching your videos, you know, I've, I've been in the gym for the past three months and I get those messages daily, multiple messages like that a day. And, you know, so ultimately I do it 
um, for that. But ultimately, I do it because of opportunity. And being in, like like so battling with depression and and at one point suicide like being at some in some of those darkest places and some can some can 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 you know speak to that because they they've experienced it but for me being like battling with both of them at one point put it this way like we were, we were talking on the break um I, I the 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 facility that I work at we had a client that was there this this client had you know his family is very very wealthy um, ability to be able to you know buy whatever they want you know just live uh, you know a great life but um, he was laying uh, he was up at the hospital laying in the hospital bed and you know we were just having a normal conversation uh, he was getting some tests ran uh, come to find out you know he had cancer and. But we were just still, you know, sh- you know, shooting the breeze and, and just talking. And he just stopped in the mid-conversation and paused for about, you know, five to ten seconds and was like, you know what, I um, I won't ever get get the opportunity to be able to paint my kitchen like I, I've been promising my wife. I won't have the opportunity to take my grandchildren fishing, you know, like I've, I've always dreamed of. You know, and, and, and went on the whole spill of all the things that – he won't have a chance to do now. And some of it was a result of some choices that he's made in in his life. And it made me think about how grateful I should be that I'm not laying in that hospital bed, that I have the ability to be able to go to the gym every single day, that I have the ability to be able to, you know, save money. If it's something that I want, I can save money and buy it, you know, Um, or sacrifice to be able to go on a trip like you're talking about. Mm And most of us live a life uh, of fear or or think that we can't do or achieve it, but it's right there in front of your face. It all takes hard work. And some people aren't willing to put in the work that it takes to get to where they need to be. So that's why you see a lot of hate on, on, on social media and just people that are just being so negative. And at the end of the day, they have the same opportunity as I have every single day. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we have an opportunity to go out and make ourselves better, uh, find the best version of us, but we're not willing to put in the work. So, you know, I use that situation because at that time, um, leading up to that time where he was in the hospital, I, I had been, you know, in a dark place once again in my life, though I had a 705 pound bench. Um, I'm starting to be known around the world. Um, just dealing with problems at home, you know, with, with family life and my wife, we were going through a really rough season. And, um, I just remember coming to the gym and, um, you know, being so broken and I'm just faced with this ultimatum because I'm not going to give up. I I can't quit. I've come too far to quit, but I'm dealing with these problems. And I just remember like coming here, and there would be a few times to where like I'm literally crying going through my in the middle of a set like tears are just flowing out of my eyes and I'm just thinking in my head I'm not going to break I'm not going to break you have this opportunity to be one of the greatest uh, lifters in the world I'm not going to break and in those moments seemed where, where they were so dark 
but would help me get to a place to where I seen the light. You know, um, just letting out those emotions. And it's okay to cry sometimes. You know, it's okay to, you know, um, be vulnerable and, and express the way you feel. Because my whole life, up until, you know, um, I, I had that, that, that incident where, I, you know, I was in jail and all that stuff. Like, I was always, you know, a very prideful person. I didn't cry in front of people. I never showed emotion. I was always acting like the tough guy. But, man, that tough guy act is out the window, man. Like, it's it's okay for a man to cry. It's okay for a man to show emotion. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, it's okay, again, like I said, to be vulnerable. And the biggest thing that, that, that I want to get across to the listeners is, man, if you have a dream, if you have goals – Put forth the energy to get there. You know, make the sacrifices uh, that, that 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 are necessary to like get to where you need to be. Like, we only live once, guys. So with this life that you have been given, take full advantage of every opportunity that you have. Um, and, and and don't quit making excuses. Quit making excuses. I would catch myself making excuses about every single thing, and it always got me in the same position: spinning wheels. You know, so you have to get to a point to where your mindset changes. You know, um, let's see. Bill Cosmeyer said this recently, and I'm pretty sure you probably have heard this before too, but it says, your perceived reality is your reality. Mm-hmm. So if all you do is see yourself working a nine-to-five job that you hate, and that you are miserable at and not seeing anything greater than that, then that's what your life is going to be. If that's all you see um, and that's all you, you you project, like as far as your vision, your dream, that's all you're going to be. You have to set the goal and set the standards, uh, set, set the standard and set your goals even higher. And again, like we live in a, a land of opportunity, guys. Like you can walk out the door and, 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 um, do something to affect other people's lives in a good way. Um, you can change. You can make a difference in the world. I never thought at one point that I would ever be able to make a change, mm-hmm. but my my perception of life changed. Like the way I seen life changed. So now, not just in my my family's life, but I'm in schools every single week. Multi- like this is what's so crazy is the actual. I have, I have a school here in town that actually sets me up. Like I have my own room where I, I, I meet with, um, the, 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 the kids that are most likely to, um, you know, get in trouble, you know, the trouble, the trouble teens. And it's just like all these opportunities. If I would have said, no, Oh, I can't do it because, you know, um, whatever excuse that I was to use, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have ever had that opportunity. You know, it started out with them probably asking me to come speak, you know, when, I had I was at work and I had to take off work, but I made a sacrifice. And now, you know, I'm in position where they give me my own classroom to, you know, share with these at risk teens and, and you know, inspire these kids not to and and, and, and you know, help them You know, ahead. if you turn one of those kids around, you say you talk to a thousand and you turn one of those kids around, it was worth every bit of your time. Oh, definitely. I mean, because you got one person not to go out and do some shit that gets them in jail or gets them killed fucking OD or kill other people. Yep. You know, you're, you're, you're doing a lot. And you know, with, with the opportunities part, if everybody waits until they're ready and the excuses are gone, you got four kids. Were you ever ready 
like legit ready for another kid? No, not at all. But you know what? Right now, you've got four kids that love you, and you love them more than anything in the world. That's it. Yeah. I mean, you you were never ready for that. You were never like, you know what? My bank account is just right. The timing is perfect. Let's have a kid. Ain't nobody fucking <laughs> yeah. doing that shit. Except for the super rich. They can yeah. do that. But, you know, normal people, we can't. We just adapt and we overcome. So any kind of challenge that comes up, you got to just take it. And yeah. then deal with it as it goes. Yeah, I think it's just the same. Like, complacency kills. Mm-hmm. Like, being complacent. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, again, we have these opportunities, guys. And you have to take it. Quit uh, letting excuses rule your life. Um, and when you, again, we live in a land of opportunity. So there's so many different opportunities out there. And, and yours is just waiting out there. You just have to go get it. Mm-hmm. And, and sacrifice is, is necessary. Like, you have to sacrifice in order to get what you want. Uh, you sacrifice. Like, I mean, what what time do you have to get up this morning? Uh, 4.30. 4.30. And, <laughs> I mean, a four-hour drive, you know, three, three and a half, four-hour drive. So, like, but these things are what's going to grow us. These things are, like, everybody wants to be comfortable. But living life is about being uncomfortable, being put in situations that is going to grow you and stretch you. And the whole term about what I like using the word stretch is that when you, when you're being stretched, like pulled and, and, and like having to be grown, you never return to, to its original state. Anything to stretch never returns to its original state. Right. So it's being stretched like physically, mentally, like I'm actually growing and I won't return to the person I used to be the day before. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I, I kind of love that analogy because, Oh yeah. You know, I do a lot of metal work and man, you, you've been to piece of metal. Doesn't ever go back straight the way it was. No, never. So you just got to accept the bend yep. and make it happen. Yep, you know? you do. yep exactly. You, you can try to straighten it, but usually you just end up adding more to it. <laughs> you weld on another piece to try to hold it stronger, keep it strong. But that's what we do to ourselves, you yeah. know. And that's you know that goes to muscle growth and emotional growth. Yeah. It's we we keep we we adapt ourselves through through change, and it's that stretch. So I really I love that analogy. I'm stealing the shit. Yeah, I'll steal it definitely. Yeah, I'm stealing that. It might be a new hoodie. We'll yeah. see how to yeah. make that work. Brand it, man. Yeah. Brand it. Absolutely. Um, so a shameless plug. Uh, we we are doing hoodies for the podcast. Um, I'm, I'm wearing one of the the great ones now, and it says uh, <laughs> heart condoms because fuck your feelings. Uh, and that comes from Bull. Um, you, you know Bull. Yeah. Um, Bull's one of the, my favorite people in the world. Uh, he's one of the greatest people that I've ever met, um, and he gives back. Yeah, you know, and he did all the same sacrifices that you're going through at an age when he didn't know shit. You know, he didn't know his ass from holding the ground. Hmm. A guy told him, "said Man, you'd be hell if you knew how to lift one day." <laughs> and he's like, well, "What? What? Fucking! I just like bench 365. What are you talking about?" And then he was humbled, and so that's kind of you know, I follow a lot of his guidance because of the the life he's had to lead, and and what he's went through. So. When you meet people, you got to understand that they're not the person they are today. They're a culmination of all the days leading up to that. They were a child once. Yeah. They were a baby at one time, at one time, and completely vulnerable to the whole world. And now they might be an asshole. Or they might be, you know, somebody great. But you got to accept that. That's that's where they came from. So I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, unless we're on the highway and then nobody gets benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Fuck them all. Just get out of my way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, people, you know, we all we all change. We all adapt. Everybody's been through something. So if you meet that one person who's, you know, that asshole, think about it. Did something happen to them that day? Yeah. Did something happen to them every single day of their life that just makes them really shitty right now? 
do you need to return that favor? You know, or just just help them. You know, you deal with a lot of, of at risk youth and you know guys that are dealing with with drug issues and everything else. Are any of them like super happy all the time? No. Yeah. But that's the reason why the reason why we supplement. The reason why anybody because I mean the chances of somebody listening on here today is that that's have some kind of substance abuse and wants to quit. Nobody's like, oh yeah, I want to be a career crackhead. You know. Yeah, nobody signs up for that shit in junior <laughs> no, high. What's this? Crack. Yeah, that sounds like a yeah. here's here's the thing that gets me, like, for meth, for recruitment. Who the hell is recruiting new people to do meth? Cause who looks at a meth head with no teeth, sores all over the place, like just life falling apart and goes, Man, I've got to get me some of that. Man, that I, looks like a good way to go. I think uh, ultimately, um, just to kind of the answer the the question before, I mean, the, the answer what you were talking about before is the only reason why we use drugs is because we don't like the way we feel. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. The only reason why we use is because we want to change the way we feel. But ultimately, I think the to answer your question now is that they don't look at it the first day. They don't see the first day. Mm-hmm. And the first day are faces like mine and yours. But over a long period of time, over not even a long period of time when it comes to methamphetamine, like, yeah. Over over a period of time, you know they start to change everything. All their facial features and and the way they act, their mental state, everything changes. You know you wouldn't believe some of the stories that I hear, like on a day to day basis of people that are trying to get in treatment because they're like, man, these drones are these drones are everywhere and they're they're, they're following me around and I've seen people in the bushes and um, I know that these kids are police because their license plates are changing and there's three year old three year old babies driving cars and I'm just like. I just couldn't see myself, you know, why would I want to try something like that? But again, the first day you get that euphoric feeling. It's such a, such a rush of serotonin and, and, um, your, your serotonin levels are, are, is it serotonin or, uh, what's the, the happy feeling in your head? Well, oxytocin. No, that's, um, I think it's serotonin. Yeah, serotonin. What's the other ones? I'm fucking serotonin and all uh, my Latin's gone. Like, yeah, I just forgot all, <laughs> all my Latin. Is gone. Like these guys are dummies. Yeah, no, <laughs> your serotonin and and all your happy, your happy, your your, your good feeling um, type of um, whatever chemicals are released in your brain, mm-hmm. um, you get a rush. But as time goes on, that becomes less. Yeah. So you're just getting high just to feel normal again mm-hmm. when really you don't even feel normal because half the time they're talking out the side of their neck, you know? So it's, it's, uh, I don't know, man. I still, I'm, I am, I see it all the time. I see guys that, uh, where, where their lives have been restored, where I've seen guys get up to a place to where they're making a hundred grand a year. Families are back in their life. Um, you know, circumstances are different and they'll risk it all. Just for you know, um, just for that rush, that one just feeling for that again, one feeling again, and some some dirty tail, some dusty butt is what we call it. Some, you know what I mean? Like wow. there's something about you know skanks and and meth that that I'm, and I'm not trying to be funny. Yeah. I'm just saying just that it's so attractive, um, you know, to to people who abuse it. You know, so um, I hate it for them because like at the end of the day, I have to answer to their to their families, to their kids. Uh, because once a, a lot of times, whenever these guys leave and go out and do their own thing again, they don't they don't come home. They're out they're out running. Mm-hmm. You know they're out living life. Because you don't you don't think about your family. You don't think about your kids. A guy hit me with this one time. 
Um, I, believe it or not, my the the first job that I held for a, a first time in my life for a year was uh, I was a paint I was a painter. Mm-hmm. I did uh, industrial and commercial painting, and we were on our way to this factory to paint this factory, and it was about five forty five in the morning. The sun's just peeking up over the trees. I'm tired. I already know it's about to be a long day. Um, we're at this aluminum factory, and there's dust, and it gets in your nose. It's just, it's miserable. The circumstances are miserable. We're outside painting all day in the sun. And um, this guy turns to me and says, Julius, did you love your kids when you was out there, like, running around using drugs? I was like, absolutely, I love my kids. What do you mean? He was like, oh, I was just wondering. He waited a little bit, and he was like, did you really love them, though? Like, did you love your kids? Like, do anything for them? I was like, of course, every I mean it, it didn't matter what I was doing who I was with I always thought about my I love my kids and he he asked me that question kid you not about six times to the point where I'm like what's up man why do you like I'm already aggravated yeah and he said if you loved your kids so much why don't you just quit using drugs and go out and get a job and 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 you know do the right thing and it ain't like what he I mean what he said was actually remarkable to me because like I didn't put two and two together like really like it hit me that at one point I love drugs and alcohol more than I love my own kids you didn't even know it didn't even know it I I I don't know how I could do that my own flesh and blood my my babies like like I would literally I would literally give my life for my kids Mm -hmm. like I kid you not and just the fact that I chose that lifestyle over my kids it makes me sick to my stomach but you did give up your life for your kids you gave up that life oh i gave up that life i'm saying like literally if i was faced with somebody said i'm gonna blow your head off or their head off i'm gonna say take mine yeah like you know and i've always been a selfish person but that just goes to show you how selfish you are when you're addicted to drugs and and um you know it just in that day in that truck and that little s10 i had so many i call them low blow moments and that day in that S10 on the way up there, I said, I'll never do it again. I will never choose that lifestyle over my kids again. Mm-hmm. No compromises. And um, it, it's just crazy because, you know, we just get to how, – how can you get to a place to where, like, we choose those substances over our kids, you know? And another thing was when I first got home from the, from the treatment where I was able to move back home – I'm looking on our on our um, living room table and I see a picture and it's my daughter in a swing and uh, I'm like heaven that's my wife's name I'm like uh, when'd you take that picture and she was like that was the first time I took her to a park to swing and you were supposed to meet me there but you never showed up mm-hmm. and again it just all these different things just hit me and I'm just like man I was a jerk and I always claimed to be a good dad because they never they never needed. Um, anytime money, whatever issues, everything was always taken care of. I made sure of it mm-hmm. and it goes to show you too, that money doesn't, money doesn't buy, you know, uh, money doesn't mean anything if you're not spending time with your family, if you're missing those memories. And, um, and those are just moments that whenever I think about like, cause there's always a time where I'm struggling, you know, and thinking about like it'd be nice if I had a Xanax bar or you know um, whatever a joint or blunt uh, just to kind of kick the edge 
I remember those times. I remember what it was like being in that visitation room, um, being in that rack uh, with with no hope, no no um, no dreams, no future, and. You know, I, I never want to be in that place again. So that's why I do what I do. That's why I go hard every single day is because, like, I, I, I got a second chance at life. And I refuse, I refuse to let these opportunities pass by. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to be that guy because most people on here, if you're listening right now, most people are the guys that, that are going to tell you, like, man, I wish I would have followed up on that. I wish I would have did that. I don't want to be that guy that says I wish I would have did that. I want to be the guy that says, thank God that I made that sacrifice and look what I have now. Look what I've done now. Look at the memories I have now because I've made those sacrifices. So you don't want to be that guy that goes, man, back in high school, I could I could nope. rip out all this shit? Nope. I hear it every day. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, back in the 70s, uh, I know a guy that could bench press uh, 800 pounds for reps. Yeah, he was my uncle. And I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, you definitely did not. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I don't even. I just go with it. I'm like, man, that's awesome, man. Yeah, must be a strong fella. Just keep it moving. But yeah, and, man. You know, all the greats really. That's that's kind of what they do. Um, a, a, a funny kickback is uh, I was talking to Janae Marie, and you know, probably one of the greatest powerlifters of all time. Twenty five fifty one at two twenty. <sighs> It's fucking a lot of weight, man. That's crazy. And she told me that, you know, during that time, that majority of the time, she's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, your your uncle, your your Joe Bobby, your, your buddy in prison, whatever, he did that. He's like, that ah, cool. And apparently, right after um, he had hit the, the 2551, somebody came up and said, oh, I know this guy. And he's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. I'm, I'm the best in the, in the entire world right now. No, they didn't. No. Nobody else has lifted more than me at this body weight in any federation ever on the planet. No, they didn't. That's and he said that's the, that's the only time that, you know, he really dealt with that. Yeah. So now when she's she's dealing with people that are doing whatever else, she's very passive about it. She's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. It's no big deal. So, like, I really enjoy talking to her um, just because she has so much knowledge. So much stuff going on. So she's and hit what? She hit twenty five fifty one at two hundred twenty pounds. Really? Yeah, this was what two thousand nine. That was she took it uh, at the time. It's it's hard for me to get these pronouns right because at the time she was Matt. So Matt hit twenty five fifty one. This was like two thousand and nine, and then I want to say like two thousand and ten. Uh, Sean Franco came back and took it again, and he went up to like twenty seven hundred pounds. But still. Twenty five fifty one wow. at two hundred twenty pounds, and when they did this meet, because we talked about the the weight cuts that she, that she was doing, thirty five pound weight cut. Wow! To get down to two twenty, to go compete and then lift twenty five fifty one. That's crazy. That's that's a stupid amount of weight. I mean, and gear draw whatever. Yeah. I don't give a shit. That's a ton of weight. Yeah. Well, so uh, I mean, there's a, some controversy. What do you think about? I mean, like. Are you? Do you support like gear lifting? I like all lifting. Yeah. I really do. Dave Hoff just hit that thirty one hundred pounds. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. I don't care if you've got a shirt, if you've got denim, if you've got wraps, if you've got, you know what? If you want to take fucking cellophane and wrap your entire body, <laughs> I don't give a shit. But move the weight. No, I get that. I think my only issue with that is like takes credit away from raw at times. Like when you when I go ninety nine percent of the people that I know that are equipped lifters, they'll tell you, uh, if, so if their bench press is 900 pounds, mm-hmm. they won't say, oh, I'm an equipped lifter, I bench press 900 pounds, they'll just say, I bench press 900 pounds. And to me, like, I think it just takes away from 
Like, I mean, I think that, and I know the, my my thought process behind it is, if 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 you bench press nine hundred pounds, don't leave out because people, the rest of the world is 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 totally blind to the fact that uh, about equip lifting and raw lifting. So anytime I ever tell somebody, hey, look, they're like, um, I thought you said you have the world record in bench press. I just looked up one and it says it's twelve hundred and something, and I'm like. That's raw. That's I mean that's that's equipped lifting. I'm a raw lifter, and I've had some people say, "Well, I asked so and so, and he said he bench presses X amount. He doesn't have a world record." I'm like, again, he didn't tell you that it was equipped. He was yeah. an equipped lifter. You get what I'm saying? To me, they're they're two different sports. Yeah, I mean they're they're all powerlifting, but equipped is just completely different. Yeah. But if you're let, let's say a 900 pound raw squatter, that doesn't necessarily mean you can just throw a suit on and yeah. go squat 1200. Because your body might just get crushed. Yeah, no, I, I get pounds. that. I, it, it's completely different. So the guys that can do both, they're they are some some freak athletes. Like you take Scott Mendelson. Scott Mendelson held the raw record, and he held the equipped record at the same time. Yeah, Blaine Sumner is one of my favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, both. Like, I mean, he's just strong. All yeah, all like around. it just doesn't matter. Yeah. And for those type of athletes, they're the ones that I hold like the most respect for because they yeah. can do it all. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. But everything has a stipulation. Everything has an asterisk, uh, uh, whichever. So when I go to a meet, I don't care if it's equipped yeah. or not. I just go and I, I see big lifts. And still to this day, I mean, I've been, you know, around strength sports since like 2004. And still to this day, I get that, that hair raising up on my neck, that, that little chill of the same way that when I hit a PR. If I see somebody else hit that record or hit that yeah. that meet PR or, you know, they, they just came back from, like, you know, bilateral quad surgery and it's the first squat in a meet, I don't care if they're equipped or not. I think it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and I love being around that environment. I love being around strongman. I love being around powerlifters, you know, moss wrestling, bodybuilders. I really – it's hard to enjoy their presence. <laughs> it really is. Hey, I've been to a couple uh, shows. Like, I love – I enjoyed being around uh, at the Kentucky Muscle. Yeah, well, they're just they just always look hungry. Yeah, and I feel bad because like yeah. I'm gonna eat and I'm gonna eat, eat in front them. of them, and eat. they're just gonna yep. they're just gonna have to deal I'm with all that about shit. It. I think that's why they don't have friends. Yeah, because they they can't eat the way that we do, <laughs> and like we could just go like we can go lift and like all right, cool, let's go get beers and steak. Let's go do that, and then we're all happy. Yeah, they're over yeah. there eating that can of tuna, just hating and a, their and fucking a piece life. of rice, and yeah. some air lettuce. Yeah, because they're fucking and they're orange, so they <laughs> they're fucking their car up. <laughs> so you know they can't do shit. And like the worst thing we have is tacky. Yeah. So I'll give you a pre uh, a warning on tacky. Do not wear the same clothes that you lift stones with, because tacky is this thing called. Um, it's what we use to lift stones. Okay. And it's pine tar. That's exactly what it is. It's fucking the sap out of a pine tree. So is it on like your forearms or? It goes on your forearms and your hands, but it gets on everything. You see how my hand is sitting here like this? You'll sit this way and then you'll get up and you go, shit, it's on my jeans. And then you go and you get in your car and get some steering wheel. It never comes off. So how do you get it off your arms and stuff? Baby oil and (laughs) WD-40. And you will rub the, you'll rub fucking skin off. So a lot of guys like they'll do tape or sleeves or whatever else. But dude. When you have tacky, and I'm just telling you, because you haven't you haven't experienced this life yeah. yet. When you have tacky on, because you have you're, you're, you know you have this this ownership in this gym and everything yeah. that's going on. Don't let them bring shit in your gym. Don't let them have it. Don't let them bring it inside ever. Tacky. Because it's going to get on fucking everything. Yeah, it'll be on every doorknob. It'll be on your keyboard. <laughs> it'll be in every your forehead. Oh, dude, every baby. Be, oh, dude, it'll be on on everything. <laughs> You'll go grab a bar and be like, oh, I'm gonna grab a bar, go to the bench, and you're like, it's fucking sticky. 
Oh, wow. And then you can't get it off. You use a wire brush, it just spreads it around. Like, it doesn't come <laughs> off. It doesn't. He said just, baby oil WD-40. Yeah, and you rub it. And you just rub and rub and rub and rub and rub. Until it might it finally... take 30 minutes to get it off of your skin. Oh, that sucks. It's fucking terrible. But it makes lifting stones easier. Yeah. So it helps a lot. But, God, it's fucking nasty. It's so gross. So, like, a lot of shows that I do, I'll say no tacky. They're like, well, why? I'm like, well, you're on the dirt floor. Tacky's yeah. going to pick up dirt. It's going to be worse for you. They're yeah. like, oh, okay, I see now. I'm like, good, because I don't want tacky in my building. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, let's, you know, as as an event promoter, you know, I'm renting spaces. Yeah. Well, if they go into their bathroom after the show's over and they have tacky on everything, and they have to clean that, I lose my deposit, oh, I get yeah. charged extra, and I don't get to come back. Yeah. I'm like, well, we put on this great show, but we can't come back because four assholes decided to touch the wall. Touch everything in the whole building. They're pissing. They do this. Oh. Dude, it's on the wall. Big handprint, and it's stringy. I mean, like, you'll see these little... Are you hairs. serious? Dude, it is a horrible substance, but it's so it lovely works. because it works. Yeah. It makes it happen. So you'll see, like, spray glue or, like, tacky towels. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. They're a little sticky, and they wash off with soap and water, but tacky? No. It don't come off. It's like some old school stuff, dude. Yeah, but there's a lot of companies that make it, and it's it's very popular. Huh. So you'll see guys at shows, they'll do it, and they'll like they'll do this. They'll put their hands together, and they'll pull them apart, and you'll see all these strings going inside. And they go to walk. That string might go 30 feet, <laughs> and it, it looked like a spider web. Yeah. But once it sticks to something, it's, it's, that's it. It's yeah. a wrap. Like whatever, huh. whatever clothing you have, that's it. It's, you're done for. Yeah, don't take that shirt that you have tacky on and put it in your washing machine. Oh, because it's going to get on everything else. Oh, and your washing machine. We, oh, then it'll get on everything bro. forever. Yeah, thank so, you. Thank you for that. If you want to get divorced real quick, yeah. go ahead and throw some tacky <laughs> in your dirty clothes. And uh, that's it. It's Put it in my wife's hair. Oh, yeah. You're you're gonna, not sleeping in the doghouse. You're going to be sleeping in a house in Indiana. That's where you're going to be at. Because you won't be allowed in Owensboro uh, anymore. <laughs> your wife will be like, nah, you look so done. Funny. So there's, there's a lot of like little intricacies, you know, to our sport and everything else, too, that that play a role in what we do. Yeah. And I've always tried to implement one, one specific thing and I call it ATP. It's always think positive. Mm. Try to find the best in every situation because it's there. Yeah. And every story that you tell there, there's a positive outcome to it. Um, one, one instance that I give is, you know, I was at work one day and it was hot as fuck out and I had a little bit of a late start that morning because some stuff happened at the shop and I get down there to load this car up on a trailer. Now loading it on a trailer is a pain in the dick. So I was like, all right, hopefully there's some keys. I go, look, I don't find the keys. Well, the wheels are turned and the wheel lock is, is done. So I get it into neutral, but it won't roll straight. So I'm using the winch, right? And I'm winching it up on the trailer. Then the winch goes dead and the remote doesn't work. So I'm having to pick the front end of this car up and move it over Roll it forward two feet, pick it up, move it over, roll it over. I'm out there for like an hour and a half, man. Sun is beating down. I'm sweating my ass off. It's a fucking horrible day. It is awful. And I get it up on the trailer. I'm about three feet from where it needs to be. And I get a call. Hey, the key is in this place. I'm like, mother. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm so like, just, I'm tore up. Yeah. I'm pissed, right? Yeah. So I get the key and I start it and I move it three feet. And I get it on the trailer. I tie it down and I get rolling. And I got thinking about it. There's another way to tell that story. It's that, you know what, man? The sun was shining all day long. 
beautiful blue skies. Yeah. I got a free sauna. People pay money for that shit. I got a good workout in because I had to pick. I was able to pick up that car, and because of all the other things I do with Strongman, I, I have that ability to do that. Yeah. And you know what? At the end of the day, I finished my day out pretty good, and there was a wreck on 65 about 30 minutes before I got down there. So I got to bypass it, and I wasn't a part of it. Oh, so the timing worked out good. Yeah. So ultimately, it was a really good day. Yeah. But if I tell the story the other way, oh, yeah. man, it was just trash. Yeah. And if you tell trashy stories all the time, and you're all about negative, like I see on social media all the time, negative. then you just ruin somebody else's day. But if you're positive, and you go through your whole day, and you're super positive, and just like, like all the kids that you deal with, if you change one person's outlook, just one, and then it was worth it. Oh, Definitely. And your outlook is different because you're happier. So when you go home to your kids, you're in a good mood because you know what? It was a good day. You know, things went well. Things happened. So I think that's really a, a, a great point to take away from everything. Yeah. And that's that's just how I live my life. That doesn't mean anybody else has to, but it's it's one more aspect of it. No, I right? think I think that's great, man. Um, I, th- I don't know who it, who it was that says, think, therefore, you are. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, at the end of the day, I, I, I've, I've – had many times where I've started out with bad days, and just by changing my thinking, uh, it made my day a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, at the end of the day, you know, um, you all, like, whatever's going to go wrong is going to go wrong. But it's about how you approach it, right. how you react after. But I wanted to show, I wanted to read off this um, text message I got from one of the parents uh, of the kids that, that, uh, I had spoke to, I'm looking for it, let's see, this, uh, this kid at the middle school had came home, anyway, I can't find it, but I heard it says, uh, this guy, this, this, the father of this kid texted me and said, man, no greater feeling in the world than when your kid comes home and says, dad, we need to talk. Some kids offer me some drugs. And Julius's speech um, let me know one that I need to come talk to you, and two that it, that it, it's not good for me. And he was just like, "Man, I thought you should know that." It brought tear to my eyes as a dad. So like, that's huge, man. Oh I mean, yeah, because you sometimes might have saved we that question kid's fucking life. Yeah, the, the, there could have been two outcomes of that one. He could have fell in with the group of those those kids and you know went down that path, or do what he did and turned from it and. The chances of him succeeding in life is 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 way much way better than probably what it would be if he was you know if mm-hmm. he was to make the wrong decision that day. So um, I just want to play my role, man. Again, I know the pain that it. That I know the pain of what it feels like whenever you you know you have no hope, uh, you've burnt every bridge, um, you have no future, and I want to if whatever I can do to save a kid, save a a dad from experiencing even more of that. I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do, and that's part of my platform as me, uh, one being a being a Christian, and two, um, uh, part of my platform of of you know lifting weights. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a platform for me to go out and, and and share my life experiences with the world, you know. So, um, and lift heavy weights. I mean, <laughs> picking up heavy shit and putting it down. That's what we all live for, right? Yeah, man. So I would be very remiss if I did not cover this last little bit here um, before we. Before we cut it off, um, the day that you hit 739, it's a monumental day. Yeah. It was huge. Walk us through that whole day from waking up that morning, being ready to go, 
and doing the whole thing. Because this was at, at Boss of Bosses, right? Correct. And what day was that? That was uh, August 12th. August 12th. I mean, it's like feels like yesterday. Yeah, that's I feel like, like I just saw that damn video. And what city was that held in? Uh, that was in Mountain View, California, right outside of San Francisco. And what federation was it? Uh, that was WRPF. 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 Okay. Where Correct. news comes first. <laughs> so walk us through you wake um, up that morning let's see woke up that morning um with uh, i think i made bacon and eggs that's what i do before on meat days in the morning i'll make some bacon and egg sandwiches i might make some to go and some to eat right then and there but that's just my go-to um because a lot of times on, on meat days uh, my nerves uh won't allow me to you know I can't stomach some of the foods, you know, so I just try to stay away from, you know, a lot of different foods just so it won't upset my stomach. So I'm up. Uh, my wife got ready. I don't know. I'm going, I'm just trying to run through my head. Well, first thing I wake up, I, pr- I meditate, I'm praying. Then I go and make my breakfast. Um, How much time are you putting in a meditation? Uh, just about 10 minutes. Is that something you do every day? Yeah. Yeah, so I try to do it before I even pick my phone up. Mm-hmm. And I'm just giving thanks to God for everything that he's done for me and just trying to set my mind straight. And there's times where also I not only do that, but um, I go through, um, like, my goals and speak them out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, so from there, I'm doing that. Uh, we get up. We uh, we go to uh, we stop at like you know Walmart just the normal stuff uh, get a few things some waters and stuff like that then we head to the meet and while we're at the meet I just man I just chill out I don't like to talk to people people probably think I'm a jerk they don't know how to take me because I always got this mean mugging look on my face but. I'm, yeah, you definitely do. Yeah, absolutely. When I met you at the airport, that was it. but keep going. We'll come back. Yeah, to that. Okay. I'm gonna pin. I'm gonna put a pin in that. So uh, I'm just um, looking all weird, but um, I'm thinking like I'm a thinker. Like I process things by. Um, it takes a, a long time for me to be able to process certain things. So, uh, and I'm processing everything at once. So I got a lot of things going on in my mind at once. So I'm just sitting here, uh, you know, back off in a corner. Um, just got my music in and just kick back and and Josh is like, dude, you need to start warming up. And I'm Who, like, who's Josh? Josh Brandt, okay. my coach. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll warm up here in just a second. Like, I don't know the difference. I was just so calm about everything, you know. And um, I mean, like literally, my last warm up set, five eighty five, uh, was probably four minutes. Before my first uh, opener, so typically mm-hmm. people were warmed up thirty minutes before. Yeah, I timed it to where my last, uh, my last, um, my last warm up lift before my uh, opener um, was like four minutes out. It was just calm and just like I said, I knew it that moment. I usually like leading up like ten minutes leading up to my first, my opener. Um. Got my headphones in still. Like you can look at all my videos and see headphones are always on leading up to my lifts, and I take them off at the last minute. But at this point, um, I'm just so focused on the task at hand and just 
playing it through my head about my daughter saying, Daddy, when are you going to be number one? And just, you know, visualizing myself get this lift. Like, I actually seen it. So really, your your headphones are not, not so much there for your motivation and your music. It's just it's just blocking out all the noise. It's blocking out distraction. But no, like, um, my on my playlist is is uh uh feel it in the air. I can feel it coming in. The, I mean, like in the air tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when that when that bass oh, this is the bass guitar electric guitar hits that brown like I'm it all I feel the electric running through my body. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But so the music does, it not only cuts out the distraction, but it hypes me up. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. That was, that was probably strange what I just did. But anyway. Um, Pe- people like the strange. I'm yeah. going to tell you, they, they <laughs> like to know the little intricacies because that's something that separates you yeah. from the guy that couldn't do 739 and won't even try it. Yeah. You're the one who put that much weight over top of your chest. Yeah. Because you fail at a bench. Fuck, you might die. Yeah, you fell you in a squat. There's, there's, there's some safety there. There's, you know, there's things. You fail at a bench and that one spotter fucks up, dude. You, it's you, over, dude. If you, it, you've if about it, seen it. Like, if it comes forward, that neck is gone. Yeah, I mean, that, it seven thirty nine pounds. That'll cut your fucking head off. Sure will. So, but I'm sorry. I, I no, you're good. You're good. So, um, I'm just sitting there and I'm just playing it through my head. And as soon as they called my name and said you're up, like you can see it. Like, this was right before, like, on my opener. Like, I'm just chilled out. But leading up to my world record attempt, like I said, there was no headphones. There was no – I just was able just to cut out all distractions. How much was your opener? I want to say 675, 677. How did that one go? Oh, it flew. It flew. So now, like, after my opener, I'm trying to – find that spark like I'm trying to turn it on you know you don't that switch yeah Eddie Hall says uh he when he puts his mouthpiece in the his new age mouthpiece mm-hmm. that's when his switch flips on that's something that flips the switch for me I think what flips the switch is, is them calling my name yeah when they call my name it's 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 on and I just I knew what time it was like I knew that this was mine. I could see it, visualize it in my head. Like there, there's no stopping me today. I'm gonna, I'm going back to Kentucky with this world record. Mm-hmm. And man, if you want something bad enough, you'll take it. You'll do what you. I'm not saying literally like go steal it, but I'm saying like if you want something in life, um, as far as reaching your goals, then then go get it. Mm-hmm. Go get it. It's there for you. So go get it. And that's that's basically what I did. And uh, just the emotions leading up. Uh, to that and after that was just uh, you know uh, obviously I'm okay with saying it like shed some tears my wife was there um, just because you know she knows what I've been through and where I've come from um, and all the, the 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 obstacles that I've had to overcome to get to where I'm at today like when I say radical transformation like you have no idea what type of person I was a monster you know and it was all because you know, um, I created this, uh, I was like a fictional character that, you know, just just made it up. I become somebody that I, I never should have been. But with that being said, with everything that I've overcome and where I'm at to that, where I was at at that point, it just, you know, in fact, some random guy came up and hugged me. And I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> just You see it in the video. He just comes up and gives me a hug. And I'm like, all right, hey. That's cool, a bro. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> but it was just a, a surreal, like it was an awesome moment. Um, 
just because of all the hours and, and everything that I've put in, all the, the, the negative comments that I've had on YouTube and just social media in general, people saying, you'll never do this, you'll never do this. And um, in those times where I thought about giving up and, and, and opting out of life, and um, it was all worth it. It was all worth it, you know. It was all worth the sacrifice to get to where I was at that day. And so now I'm just I'm ready to raise the bar. It kind of left a sour taste in my mouth because of the way it ended, you know, where, you know, I came up, locked the weight out, and the weight dropped. Uh, they didn't help me pull it back in when she called the rack command. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, people were arguing, saying it wasn't a lift and the lift was no good and they're still comparing me to Corel. So uh, next weekend I go compete again. Um, you know, I'm just calling it like I'm, I'm going to dis- destroy some weight next week. Like there ain't no ifs ands or buts about it. Um, and where's that going to be at? This is in Austin, Texas. So uh, openers right now are going to be like six, six eighty, eighty three, something like that. Uh, seven fifty. I think it's around like 751, something like that, and then uh, 771. So you're going to break the world record again on your second attempt? Yeah. That's going to be huge. I'm exp- I mean, uh, there's so... Is it the same federation, or is this somebody different? I think it's the same federation. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, WRPF. So uh, Where news comes first. Where news comes first. <laughs> where do you get that from? I mean, it's, it's a it's an old Bob and Tom thing. Anytime okay. they, they have any kind of news thing or whatever, it's where news comes first. Or they say, where you come first. Well, I'm, man, I hope you do. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's winning. That's what it is. But, you know, that's the, the perverted way of doing it. Um, but it's just it's some shit I stole, really. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> it's all. Uh, I didn't know if you had something against the Federation or. or... No, I haven't dealt with them at all. Okay. Um, the the yeah, Federations cool. that I have dealt with are like USAPL. Okay. Um, USPA and then SPF and RPS and WPL. Okay. Because that's what's in Kentucky. That's what's around yeah. here. Well, RPS is probably. I mean, they run everything. Man, you know? their they are their meets are on fire. Yeah, the the Millers do a great job. Yeah, know? they uh, when I when I talked to Shane two weeks ago, they were actually doing a meet in White House, Tennessee, with Bull, and it was the Millers doing it. Oh, okay, so it was an RPS meet. Yeah, it's it's between oh. RPS and WRPF. Those are my favorite federations, uh, mm-hmm. definitely. So, for those of you who are thinking about lifting in, um, this is not a paid advertisement, but for those of you who are lifting, who are considering doing powerlifting. Um, and you're in the area of the Midwest. Consider RPS. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're... but you know, there's there's some states where RPS is trash. Really? Yeah, like Virginia, they're not that good. Midwest they're is fire. Not. I mean, around here it's fire. It all comes down to the promoters. Yeah. And when you put you know the the Miller brothers together, them and their wives, and that's the only ones I go to is, yeah. is the one with the Millers because it's, they're just yeah they they know exactly what they're doing, man. I mean, they've they've got that shit down. To a fucking science, they're yeah. great. Well, whenever I hit seven hundred five, was that RPS meet, mm-hmm. and it was probably the livest meet that I've ever. I mean, people were hanging off the rack. Look, kids, you not? They were mm-hmm. hanging on the the rigs and everything, and it was just. Um, it was one time where I seen powerlifting where everybody was on cheering on one accord, like mm-hmm. everybody was in it. You know, so instead of like just people like kick back, like oh, it's in a big deal. Like they were in, everybody was in the mix. Everybody yeah. in the stands, everybody that was lifting, everybody that was. Um, just a part of you know helping out, uh, whether they're selling T-shirts, they were crowded around the bench at that time. So it was pretty, it was a pretty lit atmosphere. I loved it. I mean, it's it's a really really big deal, man. That's a lot of fucking weight. Yeah. So, 
you hit the 739 and you get it back in the rack and you sit up what's your first thought uh the let's see what was the call on it so you can see I'm looking up at the at the lights mm-hmm. and um I get white lights and I'm just I'm lit I'm ready to be honest I'm ready for the next lift yeah I'm ready to add more weight on the bar and Josh Bryant had to tell me like no we're going to call it that was your second attempt was 739 mhm second attempt was 739 so why did he say call it because he it was just a smart it was smart because my my adrenaline was pumping um uh emotions were running so high if I would have tweaked something I wouldn't have been able to feel it right you know what I mean so he was like look you got the record let's just live to compete another day yeah you know so he played it off and it was it was a it was a smart call mm-hmm. because I'm getting stronger as we speak like if you notice it's one thing about me um you can see it I'm consistent like every meet that I've done there is no take a off season of nine months you know like I'm pretty easy kill across the board like my numbers and and as far as like me competing is just I'm just growing, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to sound arrogant or cocky. It's just, I think, with what we have with our programming and how we attack certain parts, um, you know, certain parts of the movement, which helps me be more explosive, is, and and ultimately uh, helping me to continue to be um, injury free and also. Um, just continue to get stronger. I don't know. I, I mean, just how we strategically attack programming is 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 uh, it's like no other. You yeah. know, like I see a lot of folks that they'll program just for peaks and valleys, and I feel like that's a that's a really fucked up way to do it. Yeah. Um, because if, if you're programming always for peaks and valleys, and you're pushing your body to a limit that it can't handle. Yeah. And then typically we don't know when to stop. We keep going to that point of injury, and then we end up plateauing again. Yeah. So I really like a, a nice, slow, steady rise. Progressive. Way more than, yeah. hey, man, this guy put on 300 pounds on his on his bench in a year. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, dude, he's about to die. <laughs> yeah. Death is yeah. coming for him soon. The Grim yeah. Reaper is fucking chasing him right now. pounds in a year. That'd be nice, though. I mean, it'd be cool. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like we talked about earlier, like your tendons, everything has to adapt. Yeah. And if you place the load and your body's not able to handle that load, you're gonna sustain some. You're gonna sustain some injuries, some significant yeah. injuries. Wait, your muscles can grow in a couple of months. Your tendons take years. Yeah, it takes a long time for you to be ready for that. So, and like that kind of goes off of like when I talked about yoke. It's gonna take a while before your body is ready for a yoke. Yeah, Cause, I, agree. I mean, it's it's gonna be a lot. Six hundred pounds. We we'll probably throw that on you right now today. You might walk around the block. You'll be fine. But you bump that to a thousand. It's a game changer, man. You want to go load it up. I mean, if you've got one here, let's do it. I mean, I'm down. I'm always down to do some Hey, but that, that's the mentality that I have. Okay, yeah. well, you tell me I can't do it. I'm going to no, go do it. I'm not saying you can't. I'm no. saying with time, progression will happen and you'll be fine. No, but I'm just but, telling you that that's how I'm, a, I'm an idiot sometimes. And I've had to learn through this training, this this whole season of training, mm-hmm. is to stay in my lane. Yep. I mean, what I mean by that is, is, is you know, I need to properly prepare myself for whatever I'm, I'm going to do in the future. And that's going to take time, a long time. Yeah. So slowly building up, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, box jumps. Should have never done a box jump. Seen a high school kid doing it. Last minute, I'm going to do the box jump. How bad did it hurt? 
Oh, it put me out for eight months. <laughs> exactly. I thought I could, I thought I ended my career on that box jump right yep. out here, right outside here on on the concrete. Mm-hmm. I jumped on a thirty six inch box. The box tipped. I tried to kick my foot down. My foot caught the box again mm-hmm. and slung me back, and I pretty much fell from about a four and a half five foot drop straight on my back, and I'm four hundred and forty pounds. You're that big, really? Oh yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, I was thinking you'd be like three eighty four, but four forty for yeah, real. Yeah, four forty. That's a lot of fucking can, weight to be falling you know, down. That's fuck, man. I can still move though. So I kid you yeah. not. I can still move. I could. It would surprise, and I'm not again. I'm not bragging. I'm just. It's a fact. Yeah. It would surprise you to see how fast I am right now. Mm-hmm. Like it would. It, you'd be blown away. Um, taking Eddie through my program the other day, like you know, just some variations and how I train on a normal basis. He was like, "I'm shocked." Like most like most people don't train like this. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my the way I train is is a lot different than most of your powerlifters. Um, I train with a mixture of of powerlifting variations, but also um, bodybuilding too. So mm-hmm. I'm, I mean I stay in the high set range, high rep range, um, uh, uh, short rest periods. Like, you would think that what I'm doing is cardio as much as I, you know, how I train. Well, when you look at, like, Eddie Cohn, the shit he was doing, I mean, he was in hypertrophy for, fuck, 10 months a year. I stay and in it. I stay in it. Yeah, and he would just compete twice, and that yeah. would be it. And he's, I mean, nobody can question. He's the greatest of all fucking time. Well, here's the point. Your 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 accessories stay in uh, hypertrophy phase while your main, your main movements um, stay in uh, strength phase. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's how that's basically how it's composed. Like, uh, yes, I go extremely heavy on my accessories compared to average person, but for me, I mean, you know, anywhere from twelve to sixteen reps heavier, a whole stack typically uh, is is. But that's not necessarily heavyweight for you. That's it's what, what I'm, you're yeah, conditioned that's what, for. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. it's it's normal. So you're still yeah. just doing the same thing. It's just somebody else looks at it and goes. Well, he's picking up refrigerators. Well, shit. <laughs> so, but, you know, that's, that's just what it is. But yeah. you're a very fucking large person. Yeah. I mean, you are not a small human. So I think that's what separates me. Like, yeah. uh, and, I, and I'm again, I don't take it, ever take it like I'm bragging. I just think that, like, Josh learned under some of the greats. So his takeaways from all these guys and, and what he has, like, and I've really stuck to what he's programmed instead of saying, oh, I'm going to take a little bit of this. I'm going to do my own thing. And get yourself fucked up. Yeah, and and I just so. stuck to the program. It took me, like, I would look at his program and be like, "There's no way." I remember one time he had me doing twenty sets of uh, like twenty of um, of lat pull downs. Mm-hmm. I walked around with like a zombie for for two weeks. Like my, my arms would not go down; they were so sore. Yep. Couldn't wipe my butt. You know what I mean? So like, but over time I adapted, and you know, I mean, you can tell. Like I have a very large back, so like I, so probably on a weekly basis, I do ten different back variations. Because mm-hmm. people people like to think that oh man, bench press is all chest and triceps. Now fuck no, it's not. It's 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 a full body thing. Yeah, You've got to have your whole body conditioned ready to go. And if you don't have a big back, you're not going to be strong. No, you're not going to be able to stable stabilize and and mm-hmm. um you know so that's what helps also too is me keep the same path. Whenever I'm lifting, because I can stabilize the weight, yeah, you know, and it's like a rubber band too. So I'm loading my lats up, and at the point where where at the pause, I'm firing just like a uh, like Bill Kazmaier said, "You're a machine," and these are hydraulic pumps. He looked at me in the eyes and said that, and I was like, 
okay, I'm a machine. Yeah. And my arms are hydraulic pumps. <laughs> he's he's an intense guy. Yeah, he, he is. Super is. intense. Super, super intense. But overall, good person. Yeah. So, I mean, and he is one of the greatest of yeah. all time. So, I mean, he he's lifted some heavy fucking weight. He did powerlifting. He did all the numbers. I mean, he had records that stood for 20 years. So, I mean, he's done some good shit. He told me at one point. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This segment is brought to you by Bullstrong. Bullstrong is an apparel company started by a good, close, personal friend of mine named Bull. Now, I'm here to tell you about what Bullstrong really is. Bullstrong is a mentality. It's a belief that you can do anything. You train your mind as hard as you have your muscles. You believe in yourself and you know your own potential. You're the type of person who stands up for what you believe in. You do what you say and no one doubts it. To be truly Bullstrong, the word quit not in your vocabulary. If you're listening to this and you instantly thought that fits your description, then support our brand. Proclaim to the world you are indeed Bullstrong. You can access Bullstrong on Facebook. Just go and search Bullstrong. He'll pop right up. You've got Bullstrong Apparel. It's bull-strongapparel.com. To put it simple, Bullstrong is a company that don't suck. All right, and we're we're back after that little break uh, as we're trying to figure out what the fuck we were just talking about two minutes ago. At this point, is all we. At this point, yeah. So at this point, at this point, uh, oh, Bill Kazmaier at one point told me he was doing finishers of um, AMRAP sets of five hundred and five pounds, and he got up to doing like twenty reps of five hundred and five pounds. That's what he told me. All right, so the listeners can't see my face right now. Some of the shit he says is bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that's that's what he told me. He said 505. Yeah. It might have been it might have been four 405 for 20, but I could have swore he told me 505 or something like that for but, like mean, 17 to 20 reps. You do the math out on that though. That would mean his one rep max is 850 pounds. Yeah, raw. And now, nah, bro. I'm, I'm sorry, because you got 739, so you've got some more in the tank there. Can you hit 505 for 20? I mean, being realistic. Not, yeah, not, I could. But it would fucking suck, right? Oh, it would definitely suck. And he's talking about he, he's finishing that, like, weekly? No, not, no, he said at one point, like, he, he he's done that before, where yeah. he would he would always finish up with, with um, you know, heavier weight, doing AMRAP sets. But, um, I mean, I thought about it, I'm like, heck, I don't know if I could do that for that. Exactly. Right it makes you kind of question. It's like, yeah. wait a minute. That's. I mean, again, I let I, I let people talk. You know, what I mean, I let I let people talk. Like, yeah. I, I'm not going to sit here and try to. It, it makes no difference to me to try to disprove him. So yeah, it's um, not going to work. He's they, a great anyway. You know, they didn't have so, cameras back then. Yeah, I mean, so like, uh, but right now, I think I could do 505 for 505 for at least 17 to 20 reps. I mean, think about it. I've done. I've done. 600 for 10. God, that's a lot of fucking weight moving a whole lot of times. Yeah. I just did 700 for three. I saw that video. That was so, insane. So, And that was like in the last moment, like, you can do 700 for three. Like, I'm having this conversation in my head. Like, it's crazy. Like, you can do it. And I'm like. Is this real life? Yeah. Like, is this, this what happened? Like, oh, I shit. can do it. And yeah. I'm like. 
Yeah, you can do it. Load the bar up and do it. I'm serious. This is the exact conversation I had right outside this door. And um, because we called uh, whenever I was with Eddie Hall last weekend, was supposed to I was supposed to work up to a PR. And that didn't work out just because I'm, I'm a firm believer if, if the circumstances aren't right, if, uh, you know, the, the equipment's not what it needs to be, then don't even risk it. Yeah. Um, so I just, I'll just tone it. Even though I wanted to because I'm with Eddie Hall, this is a huge opportunity for me to grow my social media and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, it's not worth getting hurt, you know, so. If you get hurt, then you're obsolete. Then I'm, I'm yeah. I'm they done. forget who, yeah. the, who the fuck is Julius. He's that yeah. guy who got hurt. Yeah, you're exactly Nobody right. Nobody gives a shit about him. So um, I dialed it back, just took like three days off, and came to the gym. I was at work all day, and I was like, I'm going to go lift some weights today. Like I could just, those days whenever I'm on, like I'm on point like that, I can feel it. Like I know. Yeah. And because I wasn't supposed to bench until the next day. But I was like, I'm ready today. Because I knew I had a competition, and I had a competition coming up, and I was like, I need to hurry up and do a confidence builder because I do confidence builders about three weeks out before a meet. Mm-hmm. So hit a very large number, number whether one rep max or uh, hit a like a triple or a double PR. And I think I was gonna do like uh, six six ninety for like two, six eighty for two. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, you're the world's strongest man in bench press, like. You are strong. I'm having this this lame conversation in my head. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what, Julius? You're right. Let's do it. So he's like, what do you want me to put on? I'm like, 700 for, for a triple. I mean, if you're going to do 690, what's what's another fucking nickel? Yeah, I know, right? I mean, but I, I mean, everybody knows that's a big deal. That's a, yeah. Especially when 690 you're. 690's yeah. not nearly as impressive. Yeah. 700. Oh, it, There's it, guys that can't fucking deadlift 700, yeah. much less bench press it. But I, this so. is what I hear, though. I could I could bench press my body weight too. <laughs> I hear that every single day, and it's fuck just those like, skinny guys. Oh my really? gosh, man! Fuck those skinny guys. <laughs> I just I I quit responding. I don't even respond to that those trolls anymore. I can bench weight my body weight. Like, too. I'm just. I'd almost be like, prove it. Yeah, I know, right? I, I fucking doubt it. You fat. Well, fuck. <laughs> try to bench press 350 pounds or, or yeah, 300 pounds over your body weight then. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they're like, oh, uh, that's Josh's go-to. It's what he says to everybody. Yeah. You know, it shuts him up. But, you know, um, I don't know how we got to this point, but I think I could probably do at least 505 for 15 to 20 through that range. I think that's probably a challenge you just put out to yourself. To oh, yeah. I'm going to do it out. next. We're going to do it. Yeah. AMRAP set. After the the contest you got coming though, yeah. After the contest, <laughs> yeah, 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 don't yeah, be doing that shit yeah. before. That'd be oh, crazy. I'm not. I've learned. I've learned from my experiences. So yeah, but I mean that's gonna be a, a hell of a video to put up though. Yeah, yeah. that's gonna be huge. People might like lose lose track as far as the counter. <laughs> You're gonna have to put a counter on the video that shows how many reps. Yeah. Just because people can't count that fucking yeah. high. Their attention span ain't that goddamn high. Like, my buddy, this, this video took 37 seconds. I don't have that kind of time in my life. Motherfucker, that's 37 seconds. Like, apparently, they don't remember back in the day when you had to wait for a TV show. Oh, yeah. And then wait seven minutes, three Through, times yeah. for commercials. Yep, yep. Like, they don't remember that shit. I do. Yeah. Now it's all fucking bloop, bloop. It's yeah. TiVo. It's fucking DVR. And Hulu doesn't have commercials yeah, anymore. No commercials. Like, like, they don't remember that. Shit used to take minutes to do it. Yeah. Does you know? that mean we're getting old, old? I, no, fuck that. Because no, <laughs> uh, I do the same exact thing. Yeah. 
when the when the ad comes up on YouTube and it says skip ad in five, <laughs> four, like, hurry up, hurry three. Up. I don't have time for this. Let's go. <laughs> one. It, and then it buffers. That's when it buffers. When it's at one, I'm like, oh my god, my life is ending right fucking now. <laughs> but that's just the the life we're in right now. It's it's yeah. everything has to be right meow. That's what they want. Yeah. So definitely on your video, I want to see a counter in like the bottom you. corner or something. I got you, bro. Counts all the reps. I got you. And I want to see them because that's going to be that's going to be some pretty cool yeah, shit. Yeah, I want to I want to have like so my buddy Steve, um, he does strongman too, but um, he uh, he always talks about like I need to start writing down all like my accolades, like all the heavy lifts that I've done. Mm-hmm. Like nobody in the history of the world has ever held seven hundred as much as me. Like has has ever like done reps with seven hundred, not just triples, but I'm saying just in general. Like, I don't think anybody has ever held any of the former uh, world record holders or anything has ever held over seven hundred pounds like more than I have. You know, mm-hmm. so he was just like, man, you need to make sure you because what brought that to my attention was Bill Kazmaier. He has like. A list of like all his accolades, like how many times he's lifted this, how many times he's done this. How many so, goldfish he ate at a state yeah. fair? <laughs> yeah. That shit drives me insane. No, but I, I, think I ate a thousand pretty... goddamn goldfish. No, you that's, didn't. No, uh, yeah. They didn't have that many there. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. They didn't bring in a thousand goddamn goldfish. But when he tells that story, you're in it. You're like, oh yeah, I was in it. I was all the oh, way. Fuck it. But you heard yeah, the thousand yeah. goldfish story, right? No, I didn't hear that. story. He didn't tell you that one. No. Uh, usually that's like a go-to for him. He went to a a goldfish eating contest where there was this kid there and that kid ate a hundred fucking goldfish. She's like, that was impressive. But I, I came in and I ate a thousand fucking goldfish. And you're like, this one, a thousand? I, no, man, a thousand guppies? Yeah, for sure. You just, you know. No, you're talking about like really fish. Goldfish, yeah. I'm not talking about like the, the crackers. I'm talking about they Are you serious? They fucking had to pick up goldfish and eat them. It was a challenge. And he ate a thousand fucking goldfish. That's what he says. Are you serious? I, I thought God, you were man. talking about like goldfish, like the little, the like little the crackers. crackers. Yeah. No, 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 no. Like actual fucking goldfish. Oh my God. So that's why I'm like guppies. Maybe, you know, put them in a fucking, in a cup with some water in it and they take them down. Yeah. But goldfish, I was like, it's, oh uh, yeah, that's, yeah. I was like, there's, there. there's no fucking way, but his level of crazy is awesome because yeah. everybody knows who the fuck Bill Kazmaier is. Yeah. He's the Kaz. Yeah. Third t- three-time world's strongest man. One of only a couple guys to win it three times in a row because usually winning them back-to-back is tough. Him, John Paul, and Magnus Burr, they won them. And Marius, but I don't know if I count Marius too much. Phenomenal <laughs> athlete, but at the, t- at the time, there was a split as far as IFSA and world's strongest man. Uh-huh. And the guys in IFSA were better. I'm sorry, they just were. They were stronger. What's IFSA? IFSA was International Federation uh, Strength Athletes. Huh. And so they were, they were, they were all Europe, but all the good Americans were going over there too. So there wasn't a huge talent pool for World Strongest Man. Oh. But Marius, being that he was sponsored by Metrex, and it was Metrex's World Strongest Man, the events were built for him. Yeah. So he got five titles. Wow. I'm not mad at him for it, but if you had had Zjernis over there, if you had had all the other guys from IFSA at Worlds at the same time. I don't know that he would have won. Yeah. All those titles. Five in a row? One in a row, but he got five total. Oh, okay. And he's the only guy to have five total. Yeah, you okay. Know, the, the, other guy, the other guys that have four are John Paul, uh, Magnus Burr, and Brian Shaw, and, of course, Zajarnas. 
So Jonas wanted the next one, but <clears throat> again, he would have had it had he had started in Worlds sooner. Oh, like when he was okay. winning all, he's got like seven or eight Arnolds. Um, wow. If he had been doing it at the same time as that, then he would have all of the world titles. Yeah. But as far as contests in general, nobody has more than Z. I think he's got over over 60 or 70 first place wins in like substantial contests. Really? Europe's strongest man, you know, of course he won every Lithuania's strongest man that there was. But, you know, Britain's strongest man, world's strongest man. What's he doing man. nowadays? Um, I think he's doing like some commentating. He still, he still promotes. Um, he went through that whole cycle where he lost a bunch of weight. I mean, he got fucking shredded. Really? Yeah, because he was... He was always like the big fat guy. Yeah. Always had the power belly, the big neck that, you know, when he would talk, he'd he'd have to turn his whole body to turn his head. You know, so he's always big, but then he just, he got shredded. Eddie Hall did the same thing. He was big. Yeah. And then cut himself back down. Now Eddie's back to like a, I feel like a normal size for him. Yeah. For what we're used to seeing. But I mean, you talked to him last week. Is he going to come back and compete? Uh, we, that question. So... Cause that that didn't come up. No, that didn't come up. It should have. I, I promise you didn't. It you should have been up. like, so Eddie, when when the fuck are you gonna compete again? I, I don't. I think he's. I think he's so busy with life and everything that's got going on right now. He probably hadn't even thought about it unless unless somebody breaks that deadlift record. I don't know. I've seen some. It's close. Yeah, I, I know. think I think there's people now that are closer than they ever have been, and that's that's scary. I think if, if 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 somebody breaks that record, he's coming back. You think he'll come back to get it? I think he'll come back to get it. Well, somebody's going to break it. Yeah. <clears throat> it will happen, but it's yeah. just a matter of when, who, or who. Yeah. So that so. that's going to be the thing. And it's got to it's got to happen when the time that he can recover and come back. Yeah. Cuz he gets to a certain age and he just won't be able to do it. I uh, one thing I can't say about those guys, him and Darren and uh I said that right, right? Uh Darren Sadler? Yeah. Um, man, I'll tell you what, those guys are, are, are down to earth, man. They made me feel, uh, you know, like we were at home, like at that event that I was at, like yeah. it was, it was, it was a great feeling. Um, and it made me respect, uh, which I've, I've always respected it, but it made me appreciate it even more just the event and the electric that I felt there and, uh, just, uh, made me want to, you know, join even more. So like just get into the whole strongman movement. So, um. Be on the lookout because in the next year or so, um, I'm looking to start. So, well, shameless plug and seeing how I, I got you recorded right now, I go ahead and just ask this question anyway. Um, in January, Mammoth Strength Challenge, I got the approval as of last night. We're going to do record breakers. So there's going to be an axle overhead. Okay. There's going to be a Mauser block overhead, and okay. there's going to be an axle deadlift. So that axle overhead, I think that record is what 475. That's held by Eddie. So maybe you come down there and you fucking throw an axle. Where, where is this at? Bowling Green. Huh. Only an hour away from you. Because I just drove by the venue on my way here. And it's um, it's January the what? 25th. If I'm in town, I had already made a... So here's the the the, the commitment that I've already made. And I, I have to check the date because it might not be that, that weekend. Mm-hmm. But um, I have to be at Iron Wars. Iron Wars with C.T. Fletcher. Yeah, but I don't know when that is, though. I think that's that's January the... It may be like January the 19th, 20th, and 21st. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on in January. There's so, the, the Santa Monica, the last Arnold um, qualifier. 
It's going on Santa Monica that weekend. Is There's it? a big show in Roanoke that weekend. Or not Roanoke, but uh, Norfolk um, that weekend, too. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. I'll be there. If if I, if I'm, if I don't – if that's not the Iron Wars weekend, mm-hmm. count me in. I'm there. Absolutely. Let's I'm there for sure. And let's get you trained on some axle. Yeah. I heard that's pretty tough, too. Like It's not easy. Is it's, the axle deadlift, is that like no straps, no anything? Just... No, you can strap in for it on an axle deadlift. Yeah. Um, but it's just the bigger bar. Yeah. It, it changes your geometry by what's a lot. The, what's the deadlift on that? What's the record on that? Um, I'll have to check the records. Uh, Paul was supposed to send them to me, but I want to say it's over nine. Over 900 pounds. Mm-hmm. And that's like 14 inches off the ground? No, it's going to be nine inches. So it'll like be a normal a normal height, yeah. Oh yeah. So I want normally I have the eighteen inch, but after talking to, you know, one of my great advisors, um, she told me that, you know what, do it from the ground. That yeah. way it's standardized and it's not that you know, that raw versus equipped. Yeah. It's not, you know, the twelve hundred pound deadlift, which eleven ninety got broke at um uh Kentucky Muscle when when you were there. Really? <clears throat> That's the eighteen inch. It was broken by Anthony. Oh, okay, Bernice. okay, okay. He's a Kentucky boy. But he took that record away from Eddie Hall because Eddie had it. Oh. Now Anthony has it, and it's 1190. Wow. Yeah. It's 18-inch, but it's still 1,190 pounds that he picked up off of the ground and was supported by his own body. Yeah, that's crazy. In his hands. That's crazy. So, I mean, it's it's nuts. But, you know, we're going to have these three records, and we're going to do cash prizes. Uh, if you break the record, I'll do a dollar a pound. A dollar a pound. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I mean that surely will will pay for your yeah your entry fee and your way down there. Oh yeah, you know definitely. You hit that uh, that four seventy five axle overhead and and we're looking at you know five hundred bucks. Yeah. In your pocket. Huh? And that's like pulling it off the ground up to your up to your chest and then pressing up to your overhead. chest. Then... <laughs> yeah. It, I need to start overhead pressing. It then, fucking huh? sucks. Oh, I bet it. <laughs> I'm does. here to tell you, but I can't imagine. It's it's a huge thing to do. And then the Mauser block. I want to say that record. 355 um yeah. it's basically just picking up a big piece of steel pressing it over your head now steve schmidt has that and i'm going to try to talk him into coming down but if i could get you and him there battling for that record yeah I, i'm happy to pay that out Ooh. um because that's come out of my pocket that's yeah that's not like i, I went got, got a sponsor for anything no this yeah. is dave saved up money yeah to go let's do some awesome shit yeah and bring everybody down you know I want, awesome. I want pros there i want yeah. amateurs there i want everybody to be there and That's let's, awesome. Let's fucking do it, man. Let's let's have fun. January the twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. All right, Mammoth Strength Challenge four. It's going to be huge. So because I got you recorded, so everybody yeah. hear that shit. You're like, oh, ah, I know it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking at uh, my schedule now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, it, it's going to be a huge show. Uh, last year we had a hundred and hundred and ten strongman athletes. Uh, we had forty Highlanders. We had sixty um, CrossFitters, and then powerlifting ended up pulling out. Just due to participate, uh, yeah, participation. But we'll have all those sports back again. We'll have Moss Wrestling, Grip, everything. So it should be a pretty, uh, pretty legit show. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm adding this in for because I'll forget. Yeah. If I don't <laughs> look yeah, at I'm it, I'm telling now. you, you're at that point. You need an assistant. All right, so we got that date locked up in your in your calendar, so we'll, we'll call you being there. Um, and I know you got this stuff with C.T. Fletcher and the, uh, the the Iron Wars. I think that'd be cool. If you get a chance to go see him, for sure go do it. I mean, he went through a heart transplant. Mm-hmm. That's fucking nuts, man. Yeah. 
and he has kind of a similar story. He came up in a in a, in a rough way, and he dealt with a lot of fucking bad shit in his life, and you know he's he's made uh, he's made the best of it. And I think that you kind of you kind of fall into that line too, of making the best of everything. Yeah. So that's kind of what counts. So I know you got to get to Alabama, man. Um, I've got to get back down to good old Park City, Kentucky. <laughs> um, so just a couple hour drive, so it won't be too bad. So. Uh, how do people get a hold of you? Um, do you offer training? What kind of services are you providing for so, folks? Yeah, uh, right now I'm just so busy, as you see. Uh, I'm not doing personal training or online training, but I am. Uh, I do have uh, eight-week bench programs and uh, six-week apostrophe programs. Uh, just to, they're just templates. Um, seen a lot of success out of them. Thousands of people um, have, which have have been through my training programs but um you can get a hold of me through ig uh irregular strength underscore strength that's i-r-r-e-g-u-l-a-r underscore strength um ig and julius maddox powerlifter on facebook so shoot me a message or however you want to put it dm whatever you want to call it uh and i'll just slide into the dms yeah slide into the dms and i'll respond (laughs) Um, whenever I get your message. Absolutely. You were always super quick to respond to everything I've ever I try. Sent you, so. I try. Sometimes I forget, though. Yeah. But uh, it, it's always been really good. So the only thing you forgot was, like, the address last night. Yeah, I know. Well, I meant to do it, and then I was just like, I don't know what happened when I got off the phone with you. I was supposed to, like, send it right over. I just you know, I have a thousand things going on at once. So, yeah. uh I need to prioritize. The good thing is I'm always an ATP kind of yeah. guy. So I wasn't like, man, this motherfucker is trying to <laughs> no, I wasn't. skate out on me. I wasn't, bro. And it really was just, man, he's probably busy. I'm going to text him here a little bit before he goes to bed. All right, cool. What's that address? Bam, there it was. There I was like, is. all right, I'm good. Because yeah. if not, I would have just came to Owensboro. And <laughs> found me. And fucking I'm sure called you, you at 7 a.m. and be like, hey. Uh, if you would have. You fucking uh, here somewhere, man? <laughs> if uh, if you would have showed up here and was like, hey, where's Julius Maddox live? I'm sure somebody would have pointed you in the right direction. <laughs> I, I would have found it. That, that would have been good. So. <laughs> well, all right, man. I really appreciate you uh, you taking the time and, and bringing me into your gym and, you know, sitting down and talking with us and, and sharing your story. Um, it really means the world. I appreciate it, man.